0: welcome back to half the battle i'm your host as always daniel levy and joining me today is very special guest liam heslin stepping in on ultra short notice i mean the guy was on weight he was ready i hope the weight cut wasn't too brutal i hope you had enough time to rehydrate but today we're going to come out here and give our boldest predictions for ufc year 2022 this time next year what we think is going to go down And we don't have the most conventional picks for this either. So I'm very excited. Everybody in the chat, y'all, let us know your your bold predictions. Let us know if you agree with us, disagree. We're going to agree on some stuff. We're going to debate on some stuff. I'm excited. Liam, thank you so much for stepping in on short notice. You are the man. Uh, Welcome to Half the Battle.
1: Thank you very much, my man. And I'm a fan of the show, first and foremost, uh, and I'm glad to be here. I have been putting together a little bit of content myself over the last year uh, and was thankful to put together a winning year. And now I'm looking forward to the UFC ahead. Uh, This is what I do. This is what I love. I spend a lot of time breaking down these fights. And so I'm really excited to break down, you know, the look ahead uh, with you right now. And I think that this is going to be a crazy year in the UFC. There's never a dull moment.
0: It absolutely is going to be a crazy year. I mean, I think that this is going to be the year where some of the most dominant champions go down. I mean, we see that all the time, right? But I'm just saying, I mean, we saw Amanda Nunes go down on the last one. But it's like you think these guys are invincible. And all of a sudden, you know, um, Mother Nature takes its course. Survival of the fittest. And it's always evolving. And then you got these prospects and these, you know, people that, People don't you know, people are like, man, I don't know. I don't know about this guy. I don't know about that guy. But these are the stars of tomorrow. These are the guys that they're flying under the radar. I can't wait to talk about them. So there's so much to get down to. So firstly, before we start, you know, I do have to shout out my my sponsor prize picks. But before I do that, I just want to wish everybody a, a very happy new year. I mean, dude, 2022, this is the first half the battle of this year. It's exciting to be here, man. Um, How you feeling? I know. You train jujitsu. I train jujitsu. We're both bluebells. I just got out of class. I'm feeling fucking amazing. No, no days off 2022. That's the hashtag so far. So far, I've been sticking to it, Liam.
1: I love it, Dan. And that's a great goal, man. I've, I'm following the Chael in school of, you know, your yourself best uh, when you feel like a champion. And I, I don't go every day, but when I go, man, I sell out and I try and spend every bit of myself. Uh, every time I'm in the room. So I've been enjoying the process on that front, had my first, uh, super fight last year in November to close out the year, just posted that full match on my YouTube channel. Uh, but was able to, to make away with some cash there, uh, with a blue belt super fight. So hoping to get involved in a couple more of those in the new year here, maybe we'll have some events coming down the horizon, but looking forward to competing and, uh, training a lot in the new year as well.
0: I mean, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, you're a professional grappler. The reason being, you got paid to grapple. So it doesn't matter if you never do another competition again. The fact of the matter is you went out there. If you get paid, that means you're not an amateur. So my man over here isn't just a blue belt like me. He's a pro blue belt. So that's pretty fucking cool.
1: My man, I appreciate you. White belt mentality. That's what's going to keep me in the game, I hope so. I just treat it like every day. I'm zero and zero. Got to earn it all again, my man.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I have a similar philosophy. For me, it's like I need to earn that top position. So I can sit here and have a jujitsu podcast with you another time because I know the way that we're starting to talk right now will, you know, that that'll be the only thing we talk about. And we got to get to these bold predictions. So before we do that, there's only there's one thing I got to do is I got to plug my sponsor, Prize Picks. And guys, I truly believe that Prize Picks is the easiest and simplest way to make money on daily fantasy sports i mean with these other outlets which are great i mean you can occasionally get lucky and hit big but the bottom line is you're competing with thousands upon thousands of stats nerds and hey, if you hit that jackpot that one time that's all it takes but what i love about prize picks is it's literally you versus their projection and um i love prize picks but i hate to break it to you some of their projections are kind of out there because i mean when you're when there's so many sports on the table like how can you get them all right and the beautiful thing is you know when they set a projection on an over under like for example uh remember uh Alex Pereira knocking out Michaelaitis his over under on significant strikes was 60 and I'm just thinking to myself like there's no way in hell Andreas Michaelitis can <laughs> eat 60 strikes from Pereira so we smash that under whenever a grappler like Muniz, for example, who barely throws any strikes, and they set the over on the over/under on the strikes too high. You got to pound that. And also with all these other sports, even sports I don't watch, because the beautiful thing is um, they have the projection, and then they'll show you the the player's history with that projection, so you know, oh, has he covered this? Does he consistently cover this? Is he hit or miss? And find those spots to take advantage of. Like the other day in college football, one of the the projections was like minus. 7.5 rushing yards. So all you, so you're telling me all my guy has to do is get 0 and I win? Like <laughs> my, my guy can literally sit on the bench and win or like my guy can go negative 6.5 yards and win. So it's like you just have to t- don't don't be a DJN but just take advantage of those little spots that I mean, you think that their projections wrong. Use my code battle for that 100% deposit match up to $100. And guys, UFC is coming back and I know the football playoffs are coming, up, are coming up. So, I mean, how y'all feeling about Patrick Mahomes? How y'all feeling about Aaron Rodgers? Over-unders on there. Giga Chikadze, you think he's the real deal? You don't think he's the real deal? Over-under there. You can combine sports. I mean, guys, try Price Picks right now. Download the app or go to prizepicks.com and use my code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100. And I know my boy Liam can vouch because you've played Price Picks uh, once or twice yourself, huh?
1: Yes, sir. And uh, I really enjoy prize picks myself. Uh, They sponsor my program, but I have a ton of fun playing prize picks. It's what keeps me involved when I'm playing uh, in the NFL, things like this. You know, uh, I'm a combat sports nerd, but when I venture outside of my comfort zone, I prefer to do it uh, with prize picks. And try and, you know, rely on the knowledge of my friends as well. I got a lot of experts that I know in other fields, right? They come to me for combat sports. I go to them to help me out for the prize picks looks uh, and who they think is going to go off from a player perspective in other sports. So prize picks the way to go if you want to play DFS.
0: My man. All right, guys. Let's get right down to business. So our bold predictions, the point of this show, is not just about, you know, it's not, we're not going to sit here and be like, oh, Roxanne Ferry is going to knock out Amanda Nunes. Oh, I'm so bold. And that, what a hot, t-. like, we're not, we're not trying, we're not trying to play that game. We're trying to actually say things that we truly internally believe is going to happen or has a high chance of happening that other people might be like, dude, are you fucking crazy? So Yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk about Harry Hunsucker becoming, you know, a two-time world champion or anything like that. So let's get down to business, our bold predictions this time next year. Y'all tell us if you agree, if you disagree, let us know some of y'all's. So we're going to go back and forth. I'm going to list my first. Uh, We're going to talk about it. And then Liam's going to list his first. We're going to talk about it. We're either going to agree, disagree, debate, whatever the case may be. Let's just have some fun, my man. So my first bold prediction this time next year, I believe... See, I was under the impression that Hamzat Shemaev and Bilal Muhammad are going to get into a fist fight. I'm also under the impression that if they do get into that fist fight, the winner is going to fight for a UFC welterweight title. Well, my bold prediction is the winner of that fight between Hamzat and Bilal will be the UFC welterweight champion this time next year. Now, let me explain why. Firstly, Usman is an unbelievable champion. You cannot discredit his work. However, he has stated multiple times. For not just recently, but for over a year, he's thinking about that next step. He's thinking about retiring. He's cleared out the division. Like what? What else is there for him to do? And when the champs start talking like that, I mean, the like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the only champ that's ever retired as champ is GSP. And actually, Liam, he did it twice. He retired against Johnny Hendricks, and then he retired (laughs) against Bisbing. Two different weight classes, twice as champ. I don't think anyone else has ever retired as champ. Someone in the chat, or Liam, if you know off the top of your head, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So, I, I personally don't think Uzman retires as champ. Um, I, th- Well, you know what? Maybe there's a chance he vacates the belt. In that case, he would retire as champ. But, okay, the reasons why. Hamzat, I think Hamzat Shemaev, yeah, despite the competition, maybe, I mean, look, Gerald and Lee are good fighters, but obviously he hasn't fought that top 10 guy quite yet, but I recognize talent. I mean, when John Jones hadn't fought a top 10 guy, I could recognize this guy was special too. I think Hamzat is the real deal. And so he's got the hype train, deservedly so. But Bilal Muhammad, he's a guy that I think flies under the radar to a point of almost disrespect. And the reason why is because like people talk about oh, Bilal Muhammad's not a finisher. And to me, it's like What does finishing fights have to do with winning belts? I mean, because to me, all that has to do with winning belts is winning fights. And one thing Bilal Muhammad does, I mean, he's unbeaten in, uh, what, 10 of his last 11, uh, Liam? You know what I'm saying? So one thing that, I mean, we can't debate is Bilal Muhammad goes out there and wins fights. And I remember when people were criticizing Usman before his title reign about, oh, my God. Uh, The Nigerian Nyquil. This guy's so fucking boring. Every fight goes to decision. And I remember when GSP was champion. Oh my god! Every fight goes to decision. Okay, cool. He's still the champ. I mean, at the end of the day, all that matters is winning. And Bilal Muhammad is a winner. So, you know, it's funny to see people. And I don't know if you're one of these people. And if you were, no disrespect intended, just trying to make my point. But people are picking a 40 year old Wonder Boy who literally got taken down every every single time Wonder Boy has been taken down one time or more in any of his fights, he hasn't won. And Bilal's a takedown machine. So that was beautiful to see. And um, now I think he's ready for that prime time. If he can go out there and beat Chimaev, I mean, I don't see why not give the guy a title shot. So I think that people are sleeping on Bilal. For some reason, they don't take him as seriously as I do. But when you put up the numbers that he does, I mean, when you're unbeaten in 10 of your last 11, that means you're a fucking winner. And that means you're going to be right up there. He goes out there and he beats Chimaev. I'm sorry, but he's fighting for a belt. And on the flip side, Chemaev Chuma- uh, goes out there, finishes Bilal. No brainer either. So my prediction is this time next year, Hamza Chemaev or Bilal Muhammad will be the UFC welterweight champion.
1: You know, I'm actually just going to build on that because it's one of my predictions too. I share this one with you, but I'm going to tweak it just a little bit, right? And I'm actually going to call upon the services of a contender that dispatched Bilal Muhammad. He is the one in that 11-fight streak, and that's Vincente Luque. Uh, and, and here's my only hitch with Bilal. I see everything you're saying from a skills perspective. I think Bilal, you know, maybe he could present an interesting threat even to Chemayev who I rate as that other guy, that other contender in the welterweight division who's surging right now. Uh, and who, whose talent is very clear in my opinion. Uh, you could look at his regional run, uh, and the devastating knockouts he accrued there. He one punched Gerald Mearshart who, you know, Mac Muradov couldn't get out of there. It's like, I just think that this guy is on the level for sure. You know, Chemaev is going to take that big step up this year. But Vincente Luque, man, he's got that dynamism at the top of the weight. He can submit you if you try and grapple. He can knock you out if you stand on the feet with him. And he's tougher than all hell, man. Like, in the same way that Bilal Muhammad is tougher than all hell, when I look at him match up with Usman, I'm like, is he going to out-wrestle him? No, uh, in my opinion. You know, is he going to out-strike him? I don't think so. So is he going to out-cardio him? It seems unlikely. It's like, is he going to be more physical? I'm I'm just not sure. That's where I think that Bilal might run into a hitch with a guy like Usman. He's sort of that all-around guy. Usman is too. I think that Vincente Luque, dynamic threats in every position. That's what I see. That's why I think he could take out Um, somebody like Kamaru Usman who gets dinged, who gets touched on the chin, uh, who's been a little bit more wobbly, who's a little stiff in the knees. I think that Vincente has got a a really good game to take him out. I think he's got better hardware than Gilbert Burns, um, and a similar kind of game. So I think he could bring uh, a big threat to Kamaru if he gets the opportunity, but he might've shot himself in the foot, uh, by, by not making weight when he was the backup fighter, man, that's something that'll piss off the UFC. So maybe that'll put a hitch in my plans, But I think that. Kamaru Usman is not destined to be the champion in 2023. Uh, age is a big factor. Durability uh, starting to wane. Um, I think the miles are adding up for him a little bit. And, you know, this is his second career in combat. He was a world-class wrestler um, and and honed his craft for many years to do that. I think that, you know, the wear that that has on your body at a competitive late like 170, I, I don't see it last in another year.
0: Yeah, uh, actually Shaq, um, you know, Longtime co-host of Half the Battle, he thinks that Vicente Luque is the dark horse of the welterweight division. And, I mean, there is... Look, I can't debate that Vicente beat Bilal. I mean, that did happen. However, I I also can't debate that that was over half a decade ago. Joanna Jacek was champion. Eddie Alvarez was champion. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? It was so fucking long ago that... I think that Bilal's proven that, I mean, well, just to put it in perspective, Bilal was completely unranked back then. Now he's the number five guy on planet Earth. So I think he has improved. My thing with Vicente is I think he's the most dangerous guy in the division. I mean, that left hook, that Darce choke, those calf kicks. I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. My only issue with Vicente Luque is I do think he kind of gets hit a little bit too much. And I mean, he's got an iron jaw. It's just, you know, when you're talking about the judges, I mean, wasn't Brian Barbarena gonna win a decision had he not been knocked out? I don't know if that's true or not. I, I, I've just heard something similar. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Um, So, but is he a threat to the title? It, it, I mean, he could be because he's dangerous enough to finish anyone. I don't think Gilbert Burns is a threat to the title. Reason being is yes, he's got that one punch power. Yes, he's an unbelievable black belt in jujitsu, but He tends to fade as fights progress and no no one bring up this fucking Woodley fight, please that he went five rounds in like, yeah, he can go five rounds when your opponent throws zero strikes back at you. But I'm talking about these elite killers that are going to make you work for every second of every round. Um, So I don't see I don't I don't see burns as a threat to the title whatsoever uh vicente is a threat to anybody just because of how dangerous he is but my issue is how hittable he is he has gassed out in fights in the past you remember the leon edwards fight but you know then again that was a long ass time ago the dude's made improvements and then hamza uh, my only thing with hamza i mean he's got the goods he's great everywhere he's got the confidence the size my only thing is like if someone can survive not necessarily an early storm but like if someone can drag him into the, those deep waters like take him to that 3rd, 4th, 5th round because another thing about Bilal Muhammad is a lot of these fights have been 3 round fights and he's one of those guys that kind of slowly but methodically breaks you and i think that if you give Bilal a 4th and 5th round that's where he might start to finally get those finishes and that's why i want to see Hamza and Bilal cuz if Hamza just goes out there and starches him earlier or or choke or becomes the first man to submit him hey Here's your title shot, young man. But I want to see if Bilal can make him work. I mean, Bilal's got good takedown defense. He stuffed 23 takedowns from Damian Maia. Uh, Bilal can also get takedowns, as you saw in the Wonderboy fight. Bilal can also go out there and land 200-plus strikes like he did in the Lima fight. So, I, I, yeah, I know Hamza Lima. at Lima. I'm just bringing up, like, that this guy can, like, Pretty much do everything minus the one punch knockout. And that's not you don't have to have one punch knockout hour to one punch knockout power to be a champ. So for me, it's Hamza and Bala will be the champ this time next year. For you, it's Hamza or Luke. That's correct. Okay, so that's our first. uh, That is our first uh, bold prediction for this time next year. All right. Our second one. I, I mean, I've been saying this since day one, so you guys probably aren't surprised about this, but I think Jamal Hill, the 205-er, is going to be in the top five this time next year. I think eventually he fights for a title. Just, you know, right now, I think the Rockiches and um, Yeary, I, I think more so those guys are going to be in the running in, in 2022 20, uh, for the title shot, and, and Kaleev as well. Um, but I think that Jamal Hill is going to start to work his way up, go out there, knock out Johnny Walker, you know, knock out one of these other guys and then end the year in the top five. I mean, because the thing I love so much about Hill is that, well, firstly, he's got the size. I mean, six foot four with the 80 inch reach. He's already, you know, one of the bigger men in the weight class. But I've never seen a 205er who has like the output of a Bantamweight, but has the one hitter quitter of, you know, a man his size. So it's like, what's was the last time you saw a 205er go out there? in a three round fight and land over a hundred significant strikes like he did in his debut that get-up game. I mean, when people try to take him down, he pops right back up the Paul Craig fight. uh, If someone brings that up, uh, Paul Craig didn't take him down. Jamal Hill. He look, he had to take his first loss. He got cocky. He thought, man, I can follow this guy to the ground, get on top of him and pound him out. Big mistake, you know? And did you hear how you reacted to that loss? Did you hear how much accountability he took? Did you hear how he said, dude, I disrespected the game and, that's why I lost. And you see the pictures of him partying with Paul Craig that night. Like that, that, those are the signs of a future world champion. The signs of a journeyman is someone who's like, Oh, he he just wanted to tie up. He just wanted to hug me or, or, you know, he didn't really want to fight. He just wanted to hold me down. And it's like, well, if you get held down against your own will, like, how is that doing nothing? So I, so I just don't agree with that mindset, but Jamal he said all the right things. Comes out there that next fight against Jimmy crew Yeah, Jimmy Crute's had some ups and downs, but who the fuck has ever handled Jimmy Crute like that? Handled Jimmy Crute like he didn't belong. Handled Jimmy crew in a way where we might not see Jimmy crew for a full year. So, uh, I mean, you know, he smashed his orbital. So, yeah, I think Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill will be in the top five this time next year in the light heavyweight division.
1: Dude, this one, I, I again... Can't push back on it all. I I think that Jamal Hill is a real threat. Uh, I did end up betting him against Crute last time out. My man. Uh, Small, small. I got to be honest. It was a small play for me, but uh, I thought that he had an outside chance. I was kind of surprised at the pricing. And uh, yeah, man, I did not think it was going to go down quite like that. I thought he was going to have to survive that grappling storm. He never even let the grappling storm uh, get underway. He punched the clouds as they were forming, and it was all over. Uh, but I think that he's a real handful. Uh, his hand speed is tremendous. He throws in a ton of volume, like you mentioned. Uh, Paul Craig is kind of a unique threat. You know, everybody else is dark horse for the year. And uh, got submitted by him as well. You know, doesn't really throw me for a loop. I think that he's a real talent um, and he's got a tremendous upside. So I can't really push back on that. But my number two has nothing to do with the light heavyweight division. It's actually women's phantom weight. I think Juliana Pena is going to beat Amanda Nunes again uh, inside the distance. And what I think uh, is going to be interesting about that is actually that I don't think she's going to win the next fight. Uh, I think that this is a unique, poor style matchup for Amanda Nunes. And the more I've revisited that first fight, the more I felt that way. Juliana Pena is kind of a reckless brawler, right? And she was getting hurt even in that first fight a little bit. I thought Amanda was going to be leagues better at jiu-jitsu. So I expected her to run away with it on the ground. But even when she got to top position, you know, she kind of just got stalled out. She wasn't really advancing. She wasn't doing a ton of damage. And she was the one getting more tired by the exchange. I think that that's not going to bode well for her the next time out. You know, Amanda never had great cardio, but normally she's able to keep women off her with the threat of her punches and her damage. You know, it's possible that she damages Pena and knocks her out but that's not a great likelihood in a women's fight. that's not what I want to bank on certainly and they're again pricing her as a significant underdog. I think that that's a little bit um you know interesting to me uh, based on what we saw based on what we've seen from Amanda in terms of you know, that wasn't really a fight for that uh title at the end there. It was just oh, okay, you got it you, t- you take the championship now. Um, so for me that's a huge red flag and concern as well. And for me that points to Amanda sort of, conceding this belt you know i don't know that juliana pena is necessarily uh the most skilled 135er in the world but she was the better woman on that night and i think that she could be the better woman again against amanda if amanda's checked out of the game and ready to move on to a family and do other things so i think it's going to be the next title challenger after who is the champion at the end of the year and that's my prediction whomever challenges juliana pena next after she beats amanda nunes ends the year as champion Maybe a Rene Aldana, um, somebody like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, I can't debate. And the reason being is this. Oftentimes you hear these long-term champions talk about how relieved they feel that they don't have the pressure of being the champion anymore. And I think that Amanda Nunes falls under that category. I mean, you heard Anderson Silva when he got knocked out by Chris Weidman at UFC 162 in Las Vegas Nevada about how man it's like it was almost like a relief like i don't cuz like dude being a champ there's so much pressure especially a long range i'm not talking about your first couple title defenses where you're enthused and i'm talking about after you've been doing this for so long everybody wants a piece of you i'm not just talking about the division i'm talking about people in your personal life like every you're the champ like now you know your cousin you haven't spoken to in 10 years is hitting you up for money and just a bunch of stuff so now the reason I know that Amanda look, we, yeah, I think Amanda's a better fighter, but some, the better fighter doesn't always win. Sometimes it's who wants it more. And one thing about Pena, which is, I mean, she has been submitted twice. So, but in this specific fight, I mean, Amanda tapped out to a no hooks, rear naked choke. And the Mata Leon was not even locked in. It, it, it was kind of, she was kind of like, <laughs> you can have it. So when that happens, there's just this big mental dynamic between uh, Amanda and Juliana, whereas I just think that Juliana now, I think so. I mean, before I thought Amanda was just going to I mean, I, I thought Juliana Juliana's way too sloppy for Amanda. Are you fucking kidding me? But if Amanda wants to raise her kid and doesn't want to be champ anymore, then Juliana's going to beat her a second time. It would have to be. Uh, I mean, Amanda would literally have to take a break, go back to the drawing board, refine that motivation, rekindle that flame and decide if she's really, if she really still has the heart to be a world champion, because I mean, you'd think that someone that was such a long reigning champion, like at least get those hooks in, at least put me to sleep. Like at at least like show that you were willing to, because what I'm trying to say is like Peter Yan, he'll die to keep his undisputed belt. Um, fucking Kamaru Usman. I mean, this guy's willing to go to, through hell to keep Alex Volkanovsky. Okay. The, the guillotine that the mounted guillotine that Brian Ortega put on Volkanovsky, that was about a hundred times tighter than what Juliana put on Amanda. And it just goes to show that Volko's ready Volko's willing to die in there. I mean, so right here, right now, this guy is, you know, the true champion. And Amanda, she had enough. And you, I don't want people to call her a quitter. I don't want people to criticize her because, dude, she changed the game. You remember when she knocked out Ronda Rousey. You remember when she destroyed Misha Tate, the incredible run she went on, knocked out Cyborg, won belts in two divisions. What else is there to fucking accomplish, man? She's not hungry anymore as evidence in what happened in that fight. So, dude, you will not get a disagreement with me on this one anything you want to add to that before I move on?
1: I I just, I think that, you know, I could see it in the first round when she's standing there, like smiling on top of her, like looking around, she was like taking it all in, man. It just, it seemed like she was like, all right, this was all fun. I'm good. I think that that's hard to come back from. And she, she was talking about retirement, I think before the fight as well. If you have even those thoughts in your head, man, it's a real concern for me. And, uh, I think at the championship level, especially the other people aren't thinking about, you know, the, the next thing they're going to do after fighting, they're thinking about the next fight they're going to have after this one. Um, so it's just a a lot different. And I, I think Juliana, she is sloppy. You know, she showed that she's still sloppy. She made significant improvements in my opinion, you know, her striking looked, uh, leaps and bounds from one to the other. I think Valley flow deserves a lot of credit for that, but that was, uh, just not a high level looking fight from either lady really it was it was very sloppy barn barnyard brawling
0: but that's juliana's fight and the fact that amanda engaged her in that um and then obviously the finishing result yeah i just don't think she still has that same hunger to be champion and there's nothing wrong you heard matt hughes when he got choked out by bj Penn talk about how man it was actually kind of a relief to not have to fucking have that pressure of being the champ anymore and um yeah so we're in agreement here that even if amanda takes the belt back from juliana i i don't don't, like what is she about to go on this big title run again like dude once it's over it's over and someone do me a favor look up the history of long reigning champions when they lose their belt and then they come back for the rematch they don't win that often like they usually rarely wins that that rematch whether it's anderson silva whether it's joanna young Jacek. um I should have came here and listed all my examples, <laughs> but uh, those are two off the top of my head. So yeah, we're in agreement. My number three, I think Giga Chikadze is going to fight for a title in 2022. I mean, listen, I, I I understand we love Cater because he's a badass. I mean, and I was the guy that when Cater was that huge underdog in his debut against Andre Feely, I was the guy saying, guys, do not parlay Andre Feely. And yeah, that might sound like, yeah, duh. But at the time, Andre Feely was like minus 300. At the time, Andre Feely was everybody's parlay leg. And I saw something in this Cater guy that I thought he could make it to the top five. Well, right now he is number five on planet Earth. But I think that's where it ends. And the reason being is that to actually not just be number five, but to actually make it to you know to the Volks, to the Max Holloways to eat. I personally am very high on Yair Rodriguez you need more than just a solid jab and a right hand. And I mean, don't get me wrong. That right hand is money. And yeah, I understand Cater's got kicks. I understand that he's got wrestling too, but guys, he, he, he rarely uses that. It's with Rob Font and Calvin Cater, it's always been the same thing. They got a nasty jab to set up that money right hand. And it, I just don't see a one-dimensional boxer with a negative strike ratio beating Giga Chikazi in a fight. Like the way Giga would lose this fight, is from whooping Calvin's ass so bad that he gasses out and it's a comeback finish from Calvin Cater. The way that Giga Chikazi loses his fight is he gets overly cocky and, you know, Cater lands the the beautiful right hand that has floored a lot of people. Aside from that, it's going to, I mean, I, I hate to, you know... I want y'all to know I'm being sarcastic when I say things like this, like this but it's it's going to be liver uh, transplant season for Calvin Kader come January 15th. I put five units on Giga Chikazi. The only reason I didn't make uh, this prediction Giga will be the champion um, is because the kind of respect I have for Volkanovski, I mean, when you go to Rio and you 3027 Jose Aldo, when you dethrone the great Max Holloway and then you have a rematch with him and Max looks Motivated looks revitalized those first two rounds, then you make those champ adjustments in the last three, defend the belt, controversial or not. I mean, those last three rounds, I mean, Volk won, and then you uh come back out there against Ortega, get caught in the the, one uh, in a submission that 90% of the division is going to sleep or tapping to, and the guy survives. Like, that's a world champ, and I think his fainting game is the best in the entire UFC. Um, so that's the only reason that I'm not quite ready to say giga will be champion maybe he will maybe he won't but i am ready to say giga will fight for a ufc world title after he dismantles calvin cater january 15th
1: Dude, I love this one. And, uh, you know, I, am going to say this, I'm in the middle of my tape study on the cater and Shikadze fight, but I will offer you just a little bit of pushback. Right. So I went back and I was watching Giga's kickboxing matches. That's actually what I was doing today. Uh, when I saw your tweet and I thought it was funny. I was like, Hey, let me hop on. Uh, and I know you've got a big play on this fight. I like Giga a lot. Um, and he, he shut up the entire fight community, it felt like, against Edson Barbosa. felt like uh, most people were betting against him there, especially in the Twitter community. And uh, he he silenced the doubters in that spot. Um, but I am interested to see how Calvin Cater responds here. You know, really, like, life-altering, potentially uh, beating at the hands of Max Holloway last time, um, which I think is a cause for concern. However... Uh, I do think that Calvin cater, you know, he offers some interesting tools here. He catches kicks, um, a decent portion of the time. Cause he gets hit with them a lot. Um, that's the other concern there. So like Dan mentioned, you know, that liver kick, I feel like Calvin, um, you know, he's never been stopped with strikes in his career and he's had a pretty long career now. Yet. Um, yes. And that's fair. Um, this could be the guy, but I also have seen that Calvin catches these kicks and responds, um, with a one, two, that is how Giga did get floored one time in kickboxing. Um, so he lost to uh, Matt Embry, a Canadian kickboxer uh, and Muay Thai fighter. It was a good fight uh, back and forth, but it was a guy who was like Calvin size um, catching kicks and caught a kick, returned a, a right hand was, I believe, in a striking uh, negative differential in that contest. And I think he only has a slight positive differential for his career. And he knocked out Giga Chikadze, flattened him twice. Um, but that being said, that's a world-class Muay Thai striker who they were talking about was like competing in Thailand against the Thais, uh, in Muay Thai. So he's an absolute beast. Matt Embry's a a savage, um, and Calvin Cater doesn't have quite as diverse a game. I wish that he wrestled more, uh, in this kind of fight. You know, if he has the background, he just doesn't use it based on the statistics. You know, Giga Chikadze has actually spent more time grappling in his UFC fights than Calvin Cater. Um, so that'll tell you everything you need to know about Calvin Cater's wrestling. I think Giga could definitely make it to that title fight, but I think this is a good time to say my next prediction, which is Alexander Volkanovsky ends the year number one pound for pound. Um, And I think that he's got a decent opportunity to do so. I already mentioned, I think the number one guy loses. He's number two on the list right now. That could be a pretty seamless way to move up. But the other thing is how do you argue against the guy if he stacks another Max Holloway win Right. That's three Max Holloway wins, a Jose Aldo win, a Chad Mendez win. It's like, what are you going to do to discredit the guy? A Brian Ortega win where he survives adversity. It's like the guy has just answered every question, checked every box. And, you know, you want to wrestle? He could wrestle. You want to strike? He could strike. You want to uh, be a world class kickboxer? He'll, he'll beat you in a stand up points uh, kickboxing match. It's like, what do you say to that guy? Salute. That's what I say. God bless.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know if he will or won't end the year pound for pound number one, but what I do know is when you talk about a champion – you talk about Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, the guy is just absolutely phenomenal. You know his story. I mean, we don't got to talk about how this dude was like 215 pounds as a rugby player. And now he's the featherweight champion. Um, and back to the Giga talk, because uh, you did bring up, oh, you showing shown more on the mat than Calvin as well. Calvin did take down Andre Feely twice, but Giga, I know, you, I know my boy Liam remembers that Anaconda attempt he had on... Um, Edson Barbosa, and a lot of people don't know this about Giga Chikazi because they just talk about his uh, kickboxing credentials, and and, and rightfully so, but Giga Chikazi, he won a Jiu-Jitsu World Champion at Blue Belt, and now he currently is a brown belt. So I don't think we're dealing with a situation where it's like, oh, just take Giga down and and you're just gonna have your way with him. Yeah, just because when he was like five and one, he lost to some bum on contenders. Guys, he's like 14 and two now. (laughs) Like five and one and fourteen and two is a tale of like Calvin Cater got submitted by some bum a long ass time ago. Shit happens. These are Kamaru Uzman got submitted by a bum a long like guys, these things, this is part of the process of getting to the top if you're going to get there and i think that giga will get there so giga versus the winner of, of volk and max is i mean i'm not trying to overlook cater i just got my money down on giga i truly believe he wins that fight um dude giga versus max giga versus volk giga versus yair i mean come on dude like is that not what the featherweight division's all about
1: I think that currently uh the betting community on betmma.tips is minus 1700 units or something betting against Giga Chikadze. so uh, uh you could you could I take that it. one to the bank my man yeah
0: <laughs> and I don't understand why boy because he looked like shit when he was 5 and 1 and that it's like people like look at something that happened like half a decade ago it was a little bit less than that but half, you know well, it was what 2018 or something and I, I was at a arctic monkeys concert that night i remember <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like uh my buddy had a bet on giga against springer and giga was like winning most of the fight and then he pulled a stunt and he texted me like yo giga lost i was like wait what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> against, against that guy but yeah it was five and two at the time now motherfuckers 14 and two so do, like those are the growing pains that's part of paying your dues is having those ups and downs i mean you remember when Benil Darius in a second UFC fight got knocked out by Ramsey Nijim? You, under, you understand what I'm saying? You remember, when he, you remember when he got knocked out by Alex Hernandez? Well, now the guy's number three on planet Earth. So, guys, it's fighting. People are going to get hit. People are going to get hurt. People are going to get knocked out. But what truly, you know, separates, I don't want to say the men's from the boys, because, you know, it's funny. In 2021, you got to watch what you say, which is fucking annoying, but what separates you know the elite from the not elite is the guys that can pick themselves back up the guys that can learn from their mistakes come back whereas like i'm questioning can look i know cater's hungry i know cater's coming here to fight like that's not that's not a debate it's just like yes he's never been finished with strikes but like does that not does that mean it can't happen? I mean, I saw him wobbling all over the place. I mean, he should have been finished his last fight. I don't know. I think the ref had the over or, or the max by decision prop. Yeah. Fight goes,
1: fight you goes. know,
0: it, cause, it, cause it's like, like, come on, man. Um, He was wobbling all over the place and to head kicks too, which I, yeah, I can't wait to break that fight down. We can, we can stick on this for a while, but my boy is saying Volkanovsky ends the year. Not, not just the champion, but the number one pound for pound fighter on planet earth. and, I mean you're not going to get a debate from me the guys i do think he's that good my only prediction here is giga will fight for the ufc world title this year all right number four um i think patty pimblett has an undefeated year in the ufc and i think that terrence mckinney doesn't let me explain why so patty pimblett he's the new kind of hype train you know he speaks well. He's been getting the finishes. He's been getting the good matchups, uh, but for but because he's that guy that's got all the attention, people love to hate on him. That's how just, that's just how this shit works. But if you actually go back and watch his career, he's paid his dues. I mean, he's already had those those five round fights outside the UFC. He's already taken his losses. He's already been laid on by vets back when he was like 22, 23. And again, like just to like the point we were talking about well what kind of man is he what what kind of hold on a sec my boy's saying dan no way i think patty gets ko'd this year yeah by who let me know by who but um patty paid his dues outside the ufc so yeah maybe he looked like shit half a decade ago against nad Armani when he was like somewhere between 19 and 22 years old now he's 25 26 starting to you know grow into his grown man body and that first fight against luigi look i understand luigi is one and three in the ufc that's that's a fact but let me state another fact all four opponents that luigi fought all got hurt (laughs) i mean let's talk about it zaleski got it if you can take zaleski's back in your ufc debut after surviving a deep peruvian necktie attempt all right you're you're dangerous you're a beast knocked out the guy that darren till dropped seven times and couldn't finish uh jesson ayari goes out there um what's his other fight besides patty do you remember off the top of your head goes out there against patty um lands a vicious shot on patty patty ate it like like a champ and then came back so like Every single time Luigi's been... Oh, yeah, in the Ferezian fight, like that third round of the Ferezian fight, some people thought it might have been a 10-8. So what I'm trying to say is, even though Luigi is 1-3 in the UFC, he's a dangerous guy, and he's had moments in all four of his fights. So the fact that he... So the way I view the one punch he landed against Patty, I'm like, okay, so we're holding it against Patty that he got punched in a fist fight against a hard hitter and then ate it five and came back and knocked the guy out. Like, to me... Like I don't to me, I'm just like, oh, he's got a good chin. Perfect. Great. That's that's what that's what I want to see. So I think this guy's that got the confidence. And since he is who he is, since he's marketing himself how he is, since he's approaching the fight game how he is, I think he's a guy that is gonna get some good, nice, favorable matchups here. And I don't think that his head's exploding. I don't think that I'm seeing, you know. Have you seen Terrence McKinney on Twitter by chance? Terrence McKinney, you know, he knocked out a guy in Favola who I respect, but let's be, let's just keep it a hundred for gets dropped every single fight. I mean, and he's been knocked out in under a minute more than once. Go watch the Polo Reyes fight. So yeah, you drop the guy that gets dropped every single fight and now we're acting like this kid's the second coming of Christ. So, and then every single day of Terrence, the stuff Terrence is saying on Twitter. I mean, it's, I see him for sure taking an L because I think his head exploded after that, um, after that uh that win he got man like so and i think you got to have your head on straight in this game i think this guy's head's exploded and for that reason i think that terrence will take an l this year he's a good kid but i i think he's going to take his first l this year in the ufc but patty on the other hand when i hear him actually talk like he, he he's got that thing man like he it's not just about the confidence but it's not it's not to a point of arrogance like with terrence i think terrence is arrogant whereas i think patty is confident and i think patty's gonna get good matchups this year whereas terrence they're matching him up with another hot prospect in Yam, so it's a prospect prospect showdown whereas i see patty getting like a donald Cerrone's is next fight or getting to take advantage of you know if ally kinta was still around you know let's go let's go uh what is it uh out with the old and in, in with the new so my thing is Patty will be, have an undefeated 2022 and Terrence McKinney won't.
1: Yeah. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head there where Patty is probably going to get the elevator where they're like, Terrence, take the stairs. And, uh, <laughs> the stairs involve, uh, for and just full disclosure. I, I had money on for Siam, uh, in that matchup. Um, and you know, I do think Terrence McKinney's a fun guy. I think he's a good fighter. You know, I don't like, he was having really good minutes on the feet with, uh, Sean Woodson and, and taking him down at will uh early in their fight. May have some cardio issues. You know, that seems like a potential concern for Terrence because um he was doing really well, seemed to like space out. I don't know what happened, like just let go of him, turned around flying knee, and it's all over. Uh, I think that you know, Ferez Siam is a tough matchup for him, but let's say he wins that one. Uh, he's going to get matched up with somebody even better than Ferez. So it's like, it's not going to get any softer in terms of your landing in the UFC. It's going to be a uh, murderer's row for him all the way up. Whereas Patty, you know, like you said, he's going to, he's going to take the elevator. He's going to get the back door as well. They're going to, they're going to find a Tony Ferguson or, uh, a Donald Cerrone on their way out of the game and, and try and get him those, uh, favorable matchups. So, I can see what you're saying. You know, I do think Patty, he fights with a a, a tremendous uh, deal of risk, but he skirts the edge really well, man. And he's a dangerous guy too. So if you want to play him in that, you know, margin of risk, he'll take you too and he'll finish you uh, quick and make a highlight of you like he did with Luigi. So I thought that that was an impressive performance. I'm interested to see, you know, what he does moving forward. Didn't have any action on that one. I uh, wanted to gather data, and I'm probably going to do the same uh, with the next fight for Patty, unless he's fighting uh, Cowboy.
0: Yeah, so let's uh listen, Ally I- I- like Kinta. Let's phone him up, offer him a few extra G's on that paycheck. Come take this elder Patty, man. Let let let's pad this record up with guys that people know. Um, so I'm excited to see his future. So what's your uh, number four, my man?
1: So. You know, I'm going to go bold here with this one as well. Yes. uh, yes, And maybe I'm crazy, but this is, I I think both number one pound for pound on the women's side, on the men's side are going to take the fall this year. And, and that's Kamaru Usman on the men's side. That's Valentina bullet, Shevchenko on the women's side. And, you know, I got in my notes here. She's 33.
0: Oh, I think my boy froze out. Hey, y'all in the chat. Is it me or him that, that froze out? I'm pretty damn sure it's him. Right. Let, let us know right now who froze out right now. Um, Liam, what's up, bro? You still here?
1: Yes, sir. Sorry about that. Right as I'm dropping the goods on our girl, Valentina. But what I was basically saying was she's turning 34 in March. I, I think that that is, you know, she's kind of in that same kind of territory where we see Amanda. in. I do think she has more credible skills. I think she's got a well-balanced game. However, you look at the quality of the talent that you see coming up at 125. I know there's somebody on your list, Erin Blanchfield, uh, that's been impressing me too, winning me some some uh, cheddar on the other side. But on top of that, you <laughs> see a lot of a lot of women that I think are more physical, uh, more credible challenges for her than some of the challengers she's taken on thus far. A bunch of vets that were on their way out.
0: Shit, my boy's doing the, the robot.
1: Game, game, game. I think now, now she's gonna get that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We can't,
0: we can't, we can't be roboting. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. We're gonna, we're gonna let him back in here. Just can't, can't be. I can't give the fans no robot, no ringtone music. Come on now. Hey Lee, I'm just I don't know if you can hear me or not, but do a quick restart. It's cool. I can talk about what you were saying here. I'm gonna remove you real quick if you can hear me, and then. You know, do your little refresh and then, and then come back in. Hey, can you can you hear me now, buddy?
1: I can hear you now, my man. Sorry about that. Brutal. I, I don't my know. My what's hap- brutalizing me.
0: What happened? You started to do the, the robot. I thought we were listening to some uh, ringtone music from 25 years ago or some shit. <laughs>
1: Oh, brutal. Well, basically, uh, I'll end with, I think that Shevchenko could lose this year. I think the challengers are getting better, and I think it's only natural. Uh, You know, father time's undefeated. She'll be getting worse. 34 years of age, I feel like she might be ripe for the picking. Seen a little bit of uh, chinks in the armor, the Jennifer Maya, or excuse me, uh, the Maya fight. Uh, she had some problems in uh, getting controlled by somebody a little more physical. I think that the challenges are going to get more stiff from here. And I think whether it's Aaron Blanchfield from the dark horse position or somebody else like Farrow, uh like Grasso, like Lee, like Talia Santos, that's been cutting their teeth in the division. I think they might be primed and ready to turn over uh, that 125 division. I think Shevchenko would be wise to move up and try and fight Juliana Pena, a much more winnable uh, fight. Someone she opinion, beat already. Than exactly so i think that that's a good career move for her um you know improves her legacy and also vacates that 125 pound spot basically i think amanda or excuse me um Valentina is not 125 pound champ uh by the end of this year
0: yeah i mean look i can see it for a variety of reasons yes is valentina head head and above the competition yeah but again when you talk about these long reigning champions at what point you know you have everything you want you got all the belts you I mean, the silk sheets expression, the whole, like, what else is there to do? Like, you cleared out the division. So these things, you know how it goes with the long reigning champions. Eventually, they're not going to be as motivated. Eventually, the pressure of being the champ is too much. Or eventually, they just meet that next-generation fighter that's going to come out and take them out. Um, And you know what's funny to... Ponder the fact or or the idea rather that someone that lost to Mara Romero Barella might be a UFC world champion and beat Valentina. So it's funny. So when you do the MMA math, you'll be like, well, Barella beat Tyler Santos, but Tyler Santos beat uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Therefore, Ty, uh, Mara Barella is the MMA, uh, the women's MMA goat. You know what I'm saying, Liam? So yeah, it's funny how this shit works. That's why you should never go off that MMA math. But I mean, look, I can't disagree with you. Look, I don't think. Andraj is gonna dethrone her, as you saw. Caitlin Kagan, hell no. Lauren Murphy, no. Jennifer Maya, no. But let's let's talk about Jennifer Maya. She won around. The fact that average fighters, I know she's number four on planet or on planet Earth, so don't come after me. But the fact that I mean she's average compared to Valentina, let's not front. The fact that fighters like that are, you know, she she got she won a round. Like that's a fucking moral victory. So what's gonna happen as this next generation starts to improve that. And Valentina, like at what point is it like, you know, I'm ready to just live on my farm and go hunting and fuck this, you know, fighting shit. So yeah, I don't think she'll be the champ at the end of this year either. Um, there's let's see, Tyler Santos, I think is a big threat. Uh, Manon Fioro. She needs, she needs a little more work, Um, but she's a hell of a prospect. Andrea Lee has been doing her thing. I'm just worried. I just think that Valentina could take down Andrea Lee. And I don't think that Andrea Lee is striking is better. But at the same time, that shit doesn't always matter. Like Juliana versus fucking Amanda. It doesn't matter who the better fighter is. Sometimes it's about who the hungrier fighter is. And y'all keep your eye on Aaron Blanchfield. I'll get to that here in a little bit. So back to this. Um, Oh, okay. My number five. and, And this is an easy one. Uh, I think Peter Yan is still going to be the undisputed uh, Bantamweight champion. And guys, I know that some people like find it like maybe offensive or maybe like crass or harsh or, you know, this or that, that I call Peter the undisputed champ, but like I mean, is Peter not the best Bantamweight on planet Earth? Did Peter not whoop on Aljo? And don't 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 bring up these fucking numbers that say, oh, Aljo landed 200 strikes and Peter only landed 150. It's like, yeah, but look at the, the quality of the strikes. I mean, when Peter lands strikes, bodies hit the floor. When Aljo lands strikes, I mean, did you see a mark on Peter's face? So that was the kind of ass whooping where I don't... See, here's my thing. Like, I, I'm... I wanted to come on here and be like one of my bold predictions is I don't think Aljomaine Sterling shows up to the Peter Yan fight. I'm not convinced that happens though. Reason being, I mean, look, he weaseled his way to this belt. I mean, the honorable thing to do would would have been to firstly, I know he could have continued just like Anthony Smith, but do you remember when back in the WEC, when Chael Sonnen fought Paulo Filo for a title, Paulo Filo was the champ. Paulo Filo missed weight. And back then, um, if anyone missed weight for the title fight, it, it was no longer a title fight. Whereas nowadays, if someone misses weight, the guy that didn't miss weight is still eligible to win the belt, but the guy that missed isn't. Um, but back then, it wasn't like that. So Chael goes out there and beats Paulo Filo. And Paulo Filo, you know what kind of man he is? He's the kind of man that he put that WEC belt in a box and shipped it to Chael Sanan's door. Like, if, if, Aljamain Sterling did a, a deed like that, do you know how much respect we'd have for him? Like if Aljamain Sterling was like, "Hey, I'm I'm not the champ. Let me vacate this." Like cuz this is this does not belong to me. He'd like like he would catapult to being like one of the most respected fighters. And the reason I bring that up cuz if you think that Aljamain Sterling is taking heat right now, just wait till you see what happens when Peter Yan ends him and Aljo's never the same. So Yeah, I think Peter Yan. I mean, I think he's still going to be the undisputed champ. I mean, when you look at these rankings and let me pull them up right now. So Bantamweight, you got the champ, Peter Yan. You got the number one contender, Aljamain Sterling. And and, and again, let let me let me let me bring this up too. when people hear me talk about Aljamain Sterling, they think, oh, my God, you're such a hater. Why do you hate Aljamain Sterling so much? Actually, I don't hate him at all. And in fact, I think he's a phenomenal fighter. And to take it a step further, I think that Aljamain Sterling is the clear-cut number one contender in the Bantamweight division. And I think that he he's great. I'll even say he's phenomenal. Um, however, he's not the champ. The champ is Peter Yan. And that that's the only distinction I want to make. Like, do I think Aljo's a great fighter? Fuck yeah. Do I think he beats Rob Font? Yeah, he probably does. Like, I think he beats a lot of these guys. He already has beat a lot of these guys. But, like, he's just not the world champ like like when you think about someone winning a belt that comes with a lot now everybody wants to have you vip at their club now everybody wants to be your friend now you're getting these big time endorsements now the whole the world is yours like my boy tony montana said do you really think that people are advertising that ufc champ aljamain sterling is coming to their club no because no one think no one considers this guy the fucking champ You know, and you saw that fucking awesome poster that came out and they had the the belt on Peter, but not on Aljo, and people are crying like little bitches about it. I mean, what are you crying about? Peter's the fucking champ. Like, they got into a fist fight and one guy whooped the other guy's ass. So I don't understand how you can consider Sterling the champ. Like, he's not the champ. Yeah, I get he made a mistake. Okay, cool. But he's not, or that Peter made a mistake. But They got. I I saw two men get into a fist fight, and I saw one guy whoop the other guy's ass. So how the fuck is Aljamain Sterling considered the champ? So the reason I didn't want to say that I think he won't show up for this fight as one of my bold predictions is because it's like, well, since you weaseled your way to this belt, well, now you get pay-per-view points. Now you get some of the perks of being a champ. So his paycheck's going to be a lot bigger in this Peter Yan fight. So that makes me think he's got incentive to show up. But I also... You know, I don't like talking about, you know, fighters being scared of other fighters, but I do think that Piotriana struck the fear in the heart of Aljamain Sterling and rightfully so. And I think that this time next year, this guy will still be the champ. And the, the challengers we're going to be looking at are the TJ Dillashaw's, are the Mirab Diwalish Wheelies, are the Marlon Chito Veras, are Sean O'Malley, possibly. I bring it up cuz it's a good striker versus striker matchup. But when you talk about out with the old and in with the new, like like are you are you are you trying to tell me that Frankie Edgar is going to still be ranked in the top 15 this time next year? And that's all due respect to the legend, but let's just let's just keep it 100, no he's not. Do you think Marlon Marais is going to be ranked in the top 10 this time next year? Fuck no. So the guys that are going to, you know, be challenging Piotr Yan, like I said, the TJ Dillashaw, maybe even a Jose Aldo rematch uh Marab Dualesh Wheelie, Marlon Chito Vera, um, and possibly Sean O'Malley. So yeah, Peter Yen and still until this time next year. Oh shit, are you frozen again, brother?
1: Yeah. Well, if he oh, no, there sir, you go. Okay, I can hear okay. you. So okay. Yeah, this is uh this is a fight where I definitely think that um, you know, I think you're spot on the money, man. I think that, you know, Piotr Jan, I do think we should see a more competitive fight here. I think Aljo completely fucked up his weight cut last time, um and I do think that that made him fight super anxious. Uh I don't think Aljo is like afraid to fight with Piotr, but I do think that he's in an uphill battle. You know, I think he's got the best guy in the world in front of him. Um I thought Aljo would be more competitive in the wrestling and grappling. He was not. Um. So I real quick, think, real hey, quick, real see- quick. It yeah. hey, it
0: hey, since you brought that up, tell tell us what the takedown numbers uh, were on that fight, please. I
1: I think it was seven mm-hmm. to zero, but I don't have them off the top.
0: Thank thank th- th- it was seven to one. But thank you. Th- th-
1: th- thank thank you. For, you th-
0: th- th- thank you for confirming that it's not just Peter who's got a massive striking edge. When when everyone's talking about oh he's just i'll just, just got to take him down, take his back. Oh well, guess who was taking down who in that fight? You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, there's levels to this and shit. And almost okay.
1: as just like a out of spite. You know, it wasn't even takedowns where he's like trying to control him. He's like take him down, pick him up in the air, sit him on his butt and let him stand back up. You know, kind of just uh dominance takedowns. I, I think that Piotr Jan's just a handful for everybody, physically, mentally, um spiritually. <laughs> like the guy is just built for this uh battle shit and he builds over five rounds. You know, I think I I had a hard time pegging the guy a little bit early cuz I would see him, you know, lose moments to a lot of these guys. Jimmy Rivera comes to mind. I'm like, I don't know, maybe he, maybe he's like, you know, got some holes in the game. Nah, he just builds and and gets some information uh and then he's very very hard to beat. And so I think in a rematch scenario, that's going to be tough for Aljo. I think that he's going to be, you know, done up on the feet and he doesn't have the greatest cardio either. Um, you know, he's got cardio to go 15. I don't know if he has cardio to go twenty-five. I know Yan has cardio to go twenty-five. So I'm gonna have to uh side with you there. I think that, you know, it makes sense he's the favorite. And when I look at that top tier of contenders, I, I think Peter Jan beats those guys. So um I'm gonna have to agree with you. Unfortunately, I'd love my boy Jose Aldo uh to get that title or or one of those legends, you know, Cruz to get back there. But I just think it's Piotr Jan's time, it's his division now and uh sucks you know i like aljo a lot personally i met him nice guy but i do think that um you know piotr jans probably not a nice guy and that might be the difference so um that's the way it, that's the way the cookie crumbles at Bantam
0: yeah i mean i think people need to understand that when i talk about aljo like not only do i not have anything against him as a person i don't, I don't know the fucking guy might be a cool guy might not but I don't. i don't know and again And I don't have any criticism. I met him
1: one time. That's why I said that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I don't have any criticism of how great of a fight. Like I, I consider Aljo to be the clear cut number one contender. I think he beats 90 plus percent of the division. I just don't consider him the champion. That's the distinction here. So, you know, when people are like, oh, why are you such a Aljo hater? I'm not an Aljo hater. I'm just fucking stating facts. Like this dude ain't the champ. Peter is. And that, yeah, because think about this. You remember when Anthony Lionheart Smith fought uh, Johnny Bones Jones, got illegally need, had the chance to, you know, take the easy way out and become the champ that way. Do you think that they'd still be calling Anthony Smith at the ESPN desk if he pulled a fucking stunt like that? Like, do you think that he would still have the respect? Lionheart, do you think people would still respect him like they always have? Uh, I don't. And I mean, yeah, yeah, he could have got the belt. He could have got the pay-per-view points and then got his ass whooped in the rematch by John Jones. He didn't do all that. And Aljo did. And like I said, if you think Aljo has it bad right now, just wait, just, just wait till Piotr Ian dismantles him. If you think Aljo has it bad now in terms of the heat he's getting, that's, that, that's all I got to say. Um, So real quick before you know, we oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Oh, absolutely. If you got an ad plug, Go right ahead, my man, because I had a next one that just tied into the Bantamweight division. That was all.
0: Oh, uh, no, adplo go ahead and say it.
1: Oh, okay. Well, basically, man, uh, I think that Song Yedong is going to find his way into the top 10 at Bantamweight. It's a crowded top 10, but I think you identified some of those key players are going to be on their way out potentially um, in the Frankie Edgars. I think it's like that 7 through 10 block of the division is all basically, you know, one fight away from being outside of the top 15 looking in. I think that Song Yedong strikes me as somebody in that 10 through 15 range who's got that possibility to move up here. Impressed me against Julio Arce. Uh, the guy's got a pretty rock chin, um, Song Yudong, and he can deal out some damage. He's got a pretty meat and potatoes game, but I think he's athletic. He's got a lot of UFC experience now accumulated. I think he's a guy that could uh, rise his stock you know, pretty significantly in this division. So that was a guy I had my eye on, and just because we were talking about Bantamweights, I figured it fit right in.
0: Yeah, I mean, my only question about Song Yedong has nothing to do with his fighting skills. My only question about Song Yedong is how old is he? Because he was like 19 for like a fucking decade. He's been 23 for the last five years. Like, I just want to know how old he is. But dude, not only do I agree with you. I agree with you to the point where I'm actually going to let you know the specific guys that are going to be removed from the top 10 to make room for not, not, not just song. Yedong. What about Ricky Simone? What about O'Malley? What? So I think the guys that are going to be leaving. They're, they're going to be ushered out of the top 15 um, in the Bantamweight division. Uh, firstly, Frankie Edgar. I mean, look, Frankie Edgar, if you watch his fight with Tyson Griffin, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I'm such a hardcore fan of the sport. I mean, when when you're talking about a guy who was a bantamweight, but he dethroned the great BJ Penn at lightweight, I mean, the kind of respect I have for Frankie Edgar, man, I mean, I love the guy. It's just, dude, you're 40 and... It's all you were a champ fucking in 2010, bro. It's it's 2022 now. So that's just how the that's just how the circle of life and the fight game works. So I see Edgar out the top 15. Here's another one. Y'all might y'all might disagree with me on this, but you know who I think is low key on the decline? And yeah, I'm gonna get some shit for this, but I don't give a fuck. This is my this is my opinion. Pedro Munoz. I think that finally. Just, I mean, the dude's always just eating all your best shots and kept walking forward. I'm not saying that he's going to start getting knocked out in fights, but what I am saying is that he's going to start eating even more shots and landing less of his own, and he's going to start slowing down now that he's you know, getting up there 37, 38. Um, so I see Edgar out the rankings. I see Pedro Munoz out the rankings. I see Rafael Sal out the rankings. I see Marlon Marais out the rankings. So, fuck yeah, I agree with you that Song Yedong is going to be a top 10 I mean, I'd have to be an idiot to disagree with you on this one because Song Yedong is the kind of guy that, let's say he actually is 23. Fuck it, let's say he's 25. This is a guy that, do you know what kind of experience he already has? He went to a draw with Cody Stamen. He beat, albeit controversial, beat Cheeto Ver- I mean, look, doesn't fuck who you score that fight for. Can we all agree? Unanimous.
1: Was, Unanimous.
0: But but can we all agree it was a badass fucking serious competitive fight? Like, like, again, fuck who you scored it for. Like, it it's all about w- the skill that was displayed. And I mean, he was out there banging with Cheeto for three rounds. I know the third round didn't go his way. But those first two, man, I mean, my boy was out here throwing some heat. The kids got the power. The kids, uh, his wrestling defense is getting better. His get up game is on point. And now he's got the seasoning. He's got the experience. He's growing into that guy that a lot of people thought he could be when he first entered the UFC. So, I mean, I think that it would be almost categorically false for me to disagree with you on this. So, yeah, I do agree. Song Yedong will be in the top 10 this time next year. All right, number six. So I think uh, Manel Cap and Tom Aspinall, will both be top five guys in their respective divisions. So let me explain why. Manel Cap. All right. So let me me find flyaway here. I got the rankings pulled up. All right. Here we go. Manel Cap currently sitting at number 14. Tim Elliott currently sitting at number 12. Matt Schnell currently sitting at number nine. You're fucking telling me Manel Cap can't come out here and, and, and spark these guys? Like, are, are you serious? You know, so what I think is Manel Cap, he made his debut against Pantoja. Pantoja's is the number three guy on planet Earth. Then he fought Mateus Nicolau. Mateus Nicolau is just as talented as anybody in the top 15. And those were competitive fights to, to get your feet wet. And not only that, to come from an organization where you wear fucking tennis shoes the ref's got the earpiece in. It's just, it's just a different world now. You're in, now you're in the UFC's octagon, barefoot, and you know you got to get used to a little, used to it a little bit. But now he's coming off those two devastating knockouts against two tough ass opponents. I mean, look, Zalgas might, you know, he might get backed up in a lot of fights. He might get bullied. But I ain't, see, I ain't seen nobody uh, starch Zaga's before. O'Day Osborne. He might be green. I ain't seen nobody starch O'Day Osborne before. And now what I think is going to happen is Manel Cap is going to shoot up because there is a lot of room for this division to switch around. Like like what I'm trying to say is like Matt Schnell is a top 10 guy, right? I'm trying to say Tim Elliott is a top 15 guy, right? Uh, so I think that there's yeah a lot of room to move up. And what I like about Cap so much, I know sometimes he's inactive. I don't think that it's a skill issue when he loses fights. I think it's a mental thing. Not, And it's not mental in terms of he's quitting on himself. It's not mental in terms of he doesn't have that dog. It's mental in terms of he is so fucking confident in his power that the dude will literally chill out for like two minutes, not do anything. And then when he, when he decides to land at the shots of his own, I mean... You saw how Mateus Nicolaou reacted to those shots. You saw how Ode Osborne reacted. You saw how Zaga Zuma Gulav reacted. And I just think a lot of the, these guys aren't going to react well when they deal with this kind of speed, this kind of explosiveness. And then take it a step further. Now that he's a, now that Cap is approaching that fifth um, UFC fight, now he's going to start to let it go more. Now he's going to start to feel more comfortable. And I'm pretty confident. I mean, the number five guy I played earlier and right now is Brandon Royval. I'm pretty fucking confident, and he's exciting. Don't get me wrong, I'm not talking shit, but I'm just saying I see a lot of things that can be exploited, and I think that Manel Cap is going to be that guy. I think he hits the top five before the year's up. And then Aspinall too, but first give me your comments on what I said about Cap.
1: Uh, absolutely. My man, I tend to agree with you here. I think that flyweight is a division where like anybody can lose to anybody, uh, in that top 10, very competitive fights. Um, a lot of, lot of talented guys. And so I think Manel cap, you know, he's not going to have a, a free path up there. But I do think that he's got something that's hard to come by. You know, it's like in the women's divisions, if you have power, it's a big difference because a lot of women don't have it at 125 pounds. You know, you see some guys that have that power, but a lot of guys are scramblers. They're all arounders. They're grapplers. This guy's got that power, man. And and he could scare people off with it, but he also has pretty slick counter wrestling. You know, he's not some, uh, slouch on the mat. I've seen him, uh, you know, go for some cool takedowns of his own and reverse positions when guys try and get Uh, too quick and too clever in the grappling. So I think that Manel Cap is a real problem. I could see him in the top five for sure. I think uh, he's one of those guys who might challenge for a title in 2022.
0: So we got my brother, Nasty Nate Williams, from the fire department. I mean, my boy Nate, I always got to shout him out because, I mean, we're talking about a guy who he fights in the PFL. I mean, he just fought Don Madge. Yeah, it didn't go his way, but my boy went out there, hit three takedowns on Don Madge. They had a nice little fight, and, you know, he could – Nate's been busting his ass for so many fucking years that when he made it to the PFL, which by the way, I mean, I'm not going to name, I'm not going to list numbers, but let's just say the pay is comparable to the UFC. So essentially Nate made it to a big show fighting on ESPN. He could have been like, dude, I don't, I don't need to fucking be at the fire department anymore, but that's the kind of guy this guy is. I mean, he's a father, he's a firefighter, but then he also just happens to be a badass professional fighter. So, uh, much love Nate, you know, you know, you know how I feel, bro. That, that's that that's that's the homie for life. So and I appreciate you being here with us. All right. So now Tom Aspinall is my other guy that I think is going to um, crack the top five. OK, so with Tom Aspinall, firstly, he's got the size of, of a guy that, you know, um, because so these smaller. Uh, heavyweights like the days of like a Cain Velasquez being a world champ like those guys like at the time like you would never see anything like it. he was like the small guy but was so fucking fast and like dudes just couldn't handle it whereas now you got guys like Cyril gone who's six foot five with an 80 something inch reach and he's faster than Kane Velasquez who was like the small guy so the sports evolved to a point where now these guys are specimens and this kid Aspinall, he's six foot five he's got the 80 something inch reach He's, he's a black belt in jujitsu, but he likes to knock people out. Um, yeah, obviously, you want to see what happens, you know, what happens if a fight hits the third round. Or, but I don't have any reason to believe he's going to slow down based off what I've seen. He paces himself well. I like his footwork for a heavyweight. His hands are devastating. I like everything I'm seeing about Tom Aspen. Like The two prospects were... Chris Dacus and Tom Aspinall, it was like a, a crash collision between them to see who makes it to the top five. I picked Derek Lewis um, because Chris Docus. now he, him, he wasn't proven in terms of past the first round. Yeah, I know he whooped Shamil so bad that when it went to the second round, it was just adding insult to injury, but I'm talking about when you're being pushed, when there's some resistance. So Docus, I don't think he's that top five guy. Aspinall, however, I think he is. I think he's going to beat Shamil Abdurakimov and then from there, that's when things start to get tough because that's when you got to deal with, you know, the devastating power of a Jairzino Rosen strike. That's when you got to deal with the six foot seven Volkov. That's when you got to deal with a guy in Curtis Blades who's gone out there and landed 14 takedowns in a UFC fight. That's when you got to deal with Derek Lewis, who has the most knockouts, not just in heavyweight history, Liam, in UFC history. That's when you got to deal with Stipe Miocic, a two-time UFC world champion. That's when you got to deal with a freak named Cyril Gan. That's when you got to deal with the hardest hitter on planet Earth, Francis Ngannou. So yeah, shit's about to start to get real after Tom Aspinall beats Shamil Abdurakhimov. But based off how he performs, I think that'll let us know where he stands. And quite frankly, I can see certain guys like Stipe, who I respect the fuck out of, but I can see Stipe start to kind of decline a little bit, man. I can see St- Stipe wants an Nganu rematch. I mean, I don't want to see him. T- Did you see that the angle of the follow-up he took the other day? You, you heard the sound of that? Like, you know, speaking of my boy, ah. Nate, speaking of my boy, Nate, Stipe is a firefighter too. Like, dude, you're a multiple time UFC heavyweight champion. There's nothing left for you to accomplish. Like, are you going to win a belt against Stipe? No. Like, and that's not because I'm disrespecting him. That's just facts. Like, if anyone wants to bet me money on that, Stipe will never be champion again. So that's why I'm saying it's, you know, some it's gonna, it's just like with these the other we will classes, never
1: let Stipe get a title shot again, much yeah, he, less him be the champion again. He, he
0: ain't touching gold again. Um, and I think that Curtis Blades is so fucking boring that I wouldn't be surprised if they don't re-sign him. He goes to Bellator, becomes heavyweight champ over there. So there's going to be room for people to move into the top five. And I think Aspinall is that guy that's going to move into the top five. So this time next year, Tom Aspinall and, um, excuse me, Tom Aspinall and Manel cap will both be top five in their respective divisions. That's my pick.
1: That adds up to me too, man. Uh, I think that Aspinall can definitely make a run at heavyweight. Heavyweight is typically an older division. He's got good hand speed. Um, You know, unlike Dawkus, he's a little bit more willing to use that grappling. You know, Dawkus kind of has that grappling in his back pocket, doesn't really ever show it. Um, But we've seen that Aspinall was in a little bit of a more greasy fight with Arlovsky. He's like, F this, I'm shooting a blast double leg and took Arlovsky completely by surprise. So I think that Aspinall has some layers to his game.
0: Sorry to cut you off. When you say greasy fight, I mean he he knocked him out standing TKO and then he choked him out. Like what what was greasy about it?
1: Well, what I mean by greasy is just like I thought that Tom was starting to huff and puff a little bit as I see this start of the second round. So I'm like, "Oh, is this where we find out he's got that cardio deficiency?" No chance to find out. He sprints across, gets him down and gets him out of there. So I do think that uh that's something I'm going to keep my eye on with Tom, but dude, I I'm with you. He looks like the real the real deal, but uh English guys uh, with their wrestling and grappling. Keep them away from uh, Curtis Blades, if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I think that Curtis Blades ain't going to be in the UFC too much longer. Uh, once his contract's out, I don't see them resigning him. And it's not because he's not a great fighter. He is a great fighter. It's more so because, I mean, when, when was the last? Can you, off the top of your head, less, take less than five seconds, what's your all-time favorite Curtis Blades fight?
1: Uh, Derek Lewis.
0: All right. So you see what I'm saying? I had to think yeah. about what happened there. See what you, you see? What I mean? Exactly. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. Cool. So, sorry. Did you give me your number sixes?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I could give you my next one here, which is uh, Alexander Rakic secures his title shot by defeating Jan Blachowicz, and uh, you know, I bet against Jan Blachowicz in his last fight. Um, different animal. You know, Glover Teixeira championship fight. Uh, but Glover, you know, again, it was like. Uh, A case of, I expected more resistance. You know, I thought that that bet was going to look greasier than it did. Glover goes out there, touches him with the hands, puts him on his ass and then gets the tap easily, you know, again, again,
0: again, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yes, sir. And I think that that was, again, a concerning sign for me, you know, Jan Blachowicz kind of struck it rich. Wasn't supposed to be the champion. Wins the title. By the way, I bet on him there as a plus 200 dog against Dominic Reyes. Thank you very much. Cash that ticket with the brutal body kicks. And I then played Israel Adesanya against him. I thought Adesanya was going to beat him. Uh, and I was, I was uh, you know, unpleasantly surprised there. Get the money back by betting my man Glover Teixeira. I think Jan Bohovich is a good fighter, but I think he had some good opportunities at the right time uh, and some things that worked out his way. Now he's at an older age. And they're trying to get him out the door. You know, they have him fresh off this title run. So he's still shined up very brightly right now. And they've got this new toy, Alexander Rockich, that they want to let loose. And uh, I think the Rocket is coming uh, to a title fight near you in 2022. So uh, that's that's what I'm expecting in the light heavyweight division. I think Alexander Rakic, uh is going to beat Jan Bohovich and, and secure his title opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I mean... I can't disagree. I mean, listen, Jan Blachowicz was a great champ. It's just, you know, we were talking about Jan 2.0. Well, that last fight that looked like the Jan 1.0 that was, you know, on that lost four out of five of of his fights. And that was before he went on the big streak. That didn't look like the Jan. And again, it's back to the Manda Nunes and the long reigning champ, even though Jan wasn't a long reigning champ. It's like that pressure of being the champ is so fucking much that like these guys sometimes feel relieved to lose that, lose that belt. And, I mean, there wasn't much resistance from Jan to to fight that choke whatsoever. Not not saying that Glover doesn't have a serious fucking grip. I mean, how long has the guy been a black belt? So, I'm not I'm not debating that whatsoever. But um, yeah, no, I, I feel you, and yeah, I think I think it's a race between Rakic, uh, Jiri, and Ankaleev this year. But next year is the Sweet Dreams era, Jamal Hill. Okay, so number seven i've already kind of said this aaron blanchfield becomes the biggest threat to the title in her division i've been blown away by this girl man i mean i saw someone talk about oh but she didn't finish sarah alpar yeah well that's because the ref didn't stop the fight i mean that was a pillar to post ass whooping and then to go out there against miranda maverick who a lot of people were calling a future world champion and to not just beat her but to dismantle her 30 26 whatever the score was i think we're looking at someone that's special someone that's going to make the top 10 someone that's going to go on to have a very very bright future and uh i I like this girl i mean she's well-rounded she's a black belt in jujitsu she can strike she's tough she's gritty she's a mean young lady and i think aaron blanchfield i mean she you remember back in the day when i was on you know yan jaunan marina rodriguez they were my prospects and like and there's i still love them i'm just saying. Back before everybody knew about them, they were the ones that I was pushing. Well, now Blanchfield's my new prospect that I'm pushing. And yeah, uh, we're going to ride that train until the wheels fall off, my man.
1: Here's what I'll tell you, and I'll keep this one simple and brief. Erin Blanchfield is a young New Yorker representing Henzo Gracie. She's got the Liam Heslin seal of approval 10 ways to Sunday. God bless her. I think that she's got big things ahead of her uh, in the new year, and I will continue to back her at the betting window.
0: Hell yeah. Hey, everybody do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Retweet my uh, my tweet. Let people know that we're live right now. We truly, truly appreciate. Like, comment, share, all that stuff. Thank you guys very much for being here with us. Now, number eight. Oh, sorry. Give me your number seven.
1: Absolutely. So I'll take this one. Uh, you know, this is a current event. I think Frankie Death Touch is going to take my man Cyril Gan to the land of wind and ghosts. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of, um, you know, braggadociousness, I think almost on the gone side here, uh, coming in the, I think you and Shaq were talking about it on Twitter a little bit earlier, but Fernand's talking about releasing the tapes and this guy's getting dropped in sparring and all this stuff. And what I think is this, right? We've got on the one hand, the most devastating puncher I've ever seen. And Francis Ngannou throws punches that don't make sense, right? Punches that don't look mechanically proper and send people into another orbit. It's like, we're going to lay, you know, favorite money against him. That's, that's something that I don't think I'm going to be comfortable doing here. You know, I think people might be forgetting because they see him in such small doses because normally he shows up, knocks somebody's head off and then goes home. But uh, I think that, you know, what he showed against Stipe was impressive, um, I, I initially was thinking, you know, Soro going to win this fight. He's the better fighter. And then I was like, oh wait, it doesn't matter. He's fighting Francis Ngannou. It, he, how many better fighters is Francis Ngannou going to have to fight and knock their head clean off into the third row before I say, I I don't know if number one, you are the better fighter, but number two, what does being the better fighter mean against the biggest puncher of all time? I, I don't know. I,
0: mean, uh, I think the- that
1: Francis Ngannou might knock him clean out.
0: I mean, Being the better fighter doesn't always mean you're going to win. And also, you know, you know what happens when these guys start releasing the sparring footage. That means they're overconfident. And from what I've seen, I mean, when Cody Garbrandt tried that shit, didn't you saw how that ended up? There were a couple other examples. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, um, I do think he's being disrespected. Look, is Cyril gone more, you know, more technical? I hate just saying land things like oh he's, he's a more technical striker but like yes is his technique cleaner than francis yes it is no one can debate that but like i've never seen Cyril get touched on the chin you know what i'm saying and in addition to that francis paid his dues man francis took his two l's francis like i i I'm always worried about undefeated fighters. I mean, unless we're talking about John Jones or Habib, that's a different story. And maybe, maybe Cyril Ghan's that guy. Let's see. And I've never seen a heavyweight move like Cyril Gane. I mean, the guy's fucking scary. But Francis is something different. And in that last fight, because I know it's always like, oh, all these Francis fights are 30-second knockouts. But, like, that last fight against Stipe, I mean, yeah, and it, it ended in a vicious knockout, but, like, why hasn't anyone brought up the fact that Francis took down a D1 wrestler in M Miocic? Why aren't people bringing up the fact that this guy's making improvements? He's kicking hard now. He's not, he's not just the punches you got to look out for, man. So, yeah, I mean, I could see the fight going either way, but, like, I, I'm not sitting here acting like gone. Like, I'm going to bet gone with my with my life and my my savings. And, like, people are like, oh, you want to put your life savings against Francis and Gana? Like are you fucking stupid? Like I'm not saying God's not going to win. I am just saying like when we talk about money management, when we talk about like I mean like show Francis like this much respect cuz I mean you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. Yes, sir. Um but I like God. I mean God's Me a bad. Me too.
1: Like, I think God is tremendous. Bet on him his last few fights, but even when I was so excited to bet on him this time, I'm like expecting to get dog money and then I see the price. It's all about the price.
0: Yeah, and then people are talking about this outside shit, like Francis with the UFC. Like, who gives a fuck, man? Like, like, how do they match up stylistically? Is what I want to know, and what happens if Cyril gets touched? So, yeah, I'm with you there. All right, so number eight, I think I kind of already touched on this. I think Aljamain Sterling fights once at most in 2022, and the reason I, I emphasize at most is because I think there's a chance. I really, truly believe there's a chance he he doesn't show up for this Peter Yan fight but if he does show up for this Peter Yan fight I think that's his only fight in 2022
1: Man I could see it um I think that if he loses the fight you know oftentimes we kind of see people take that time to recalibrate and try and figure out their championship um aspirations what do they want to do Aljo's been the guy who talked about retiring young as well so I wouldn't be altogether stunned if he loses this fight and retires if he wins the fight and retires you know um Aljo has talked about getting out of the game early. I think if he was able to get that vindicating win, get everybody off his back, he might say, F this game, uh, I'm out of here. Uh, so that that's something interesting to, to keep an eye on, but I could definitely see it playing out that way.
0: Yeah, let's see what happens. So I know that you're kind of running low on battery real quick. I mean, we've been going for our, a while. Um, give me your most boldest one you haven't mentioned yet, just so the fans don't miss that.
1: All right, awesome. So, um I think we've touched on it a little bit, but Moreno loses the flyweight strap. You know, there's just too many killers in that division. Uh when you look at Pantoja, he's already gotten the jump on him uh more than once. When you look at uh you know, Davison and Figueredo, I think that Brandon's going to beat Davison, but I think it's going to be a hard fight. You know, I think Davison's going to make some championship adjustments uh in this rematch and make him earn it. So, for me, that's that's something that's impressive um, you know, from these challengers, man. At 125, Manel Cap is a guy who's on the outside looking in in terms of title contention right now. But I think that this is like just a, a- contendership queue. That's going to be really hard for Brandon Moreno to turn away. And I think that, you know, lightning struck in a bottle for him, uh, where he had a really competitive draw with the champion. And then he goes on to have the rematch gets a definitive win. I think people are riding high on Brandon Moreno, but I just think the quality of competition's too high. Uh, and there's still potential for people to exploit him in some of those, uh, the holes that he has in his game. So I think if somebody, uh, like, Pantoja able to work their way to a championship opportunity. It might be the end of Brandon Moreno's reign at top of 125.
0: Look, what, um, Br- the-
1: yes, uh, please sorry. Go ahead. no,
0: no, no, you go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say the other crazy one I have is uh, you know, I think Glover Teixeira is gonna club and sub Jerry Proashka, man. I think that I know he's old, but Glover's got real skills. Uh, he was putting hands to Jan Blahovic before he took him down. Uh, people constantly sleep on Glover. He's a power threat. Yuri runs onto punches. He's reckless in his come forward aggression. And Dom Reyes was able to get on top of him. Kind of blew that fight when he had Jerry really badly hurt. I think that Glover Teixeira has good finishing instincts. If he gets on top of him, if he hurts this guy, he will get him out of there. So I like Glover Teixeira. Probably not going to end the year as the champion. You know, he is 42. Time is undefeated, but I think this is a winnable fight for him if Yuri Prohashka is the next matchup. So I like Glover to stamp himself as an all-time legend with another club and sub-victory as a 42-year-old champion.
0: Regarding Moreno, I mean, here's what I got to say. Firstly, what he accomplished, I mean, unbelievable. Tip my cap. What a badass. I mean, to... To get cut from the UFC, come back, win a belt. I mean, dude, like that's what dreams are made of. So, I mean, I got nothing but respect for him. But so after, so so the first fight happens, Figgy wins in my eyes. I mean, he won without the point deduction. I mean, that's just facts. And as far as I'm concerned, he won four to one. So Figgy clearly won the first fight, uh, got destroyed. uh, Figgy got destroyed the second fight. But let me say this. My impression during that fight was, man, I kind of never want to see Figgy at 125 ever again because I felt like the weight cuts were getting to be way too much uh, for him. I mean, the guy's a fucking big-ass motherfucker. (laughs) I mean, and he's missed weight for a title fight before, the first Joseph Benavidez. So for that to happen, and I know he's a professional, it's just it shows that, like, dude, he's a big boy. So that means that you got to make changes because that last fight, and I don't want to discredit Moreno's performance, but that that didn't look like the Figgy I know and love. I mean, Figgy touches guys one time, and you see, you see their light, their eyes light up if they haven't hit the floor already. And it just didn't look like he wasn't operating on that same frequency. So that means that there's two options when that happens: either you move up in weight class, or you make a considerable change. Because I mean, you know how they talk about, you know, about getting the same results. If you know how, how can you expect new results if you're doing the same shit? Whatever the fucking quote is,
1: the definition of insanity.
0: Yeah, that whole thing. So, okay, well. Guess what this motherfucker did? He leaves Brazil, which, which is huge. I mean, can I, I don't know how to explain how huge that is because if you go look on his Instagram page during the fight camps for the Moreno fights, this motherfucker was out here eating Brazilian barbecue, which I fucking love myself. I mean, like it's the best food ever. It's addictive. You, you, you fiend that Brazilian steak when you eat it as much as we do. So, I mean, like, dude, like, yeah, I I get why it was tough to make weight. This guy leaves Brazil. Not only does he leave Brazil. He, he's living with Henry Cejudo. He's training at Fight Ready and Neuro Force One. Like, those are the gyms that change lives. Like, do you remember, like, Henry Cejudo was always a badass, but then all of a sudden he's got this explosive karate style. All of a sudden he's dethroning DJ. All of a sudden he's knocking out TJ Dillashaw in 30 seconds. All of a sudden he's defending two belts in two different weight classes. You remember when Patricio Pipple was always a badass fighter. All of a sudden he goes to Fight Ready. He develops kind of that karate style. He becomes a two division champion his in his organization. So, Figgy making that move to live with Sahudo, and now he's got John Jones in the room and all the MMA minds over there, plus Neuroforce One. The kind of tests they do on their athletes, they know every number, they know every intricate details of things that are completely beyond my pay grade. Um, I think that's the best possible movie movie could have made. If this version of Figgy is not good enough to beat Moreno, the Moreno tip my uh my proverbial cap to you my man because like that'd be amazing if you beat him whereas right now reno's the guy who everybody wants a piece of i'm not talking about the division i'm talking about the media i'm talking about the fans i'm talking about i mean first mexican champion are you fucking kidding me that's a fucking huge deal dude um for those that don't know my mom and my grandma rest in peace uh mexican born in mexico city so i know how big of a deal it is they get behind their athletes like no other and to have a fighting champion be from mexico that's huge so right now moreno's on the press tours he's doing you know the whole the parade the, recruiter
1: the, commercials
0: the, the, the celebrations the commercials like whereas figgy is living with henry cejudo and the only goddamn thing on his mind is this fucking fight and if you look at his pictures like two months ago, he was already in shape. So we're not dealing with this massive weight cut. We're not dealing with Figgy who, ah, the Brazilian barbecue is down the street. I just had a hard training session. Let me just go eat some how special garlic picanha. We're dealing with a guy who's focused, ready, and motivated. And if that's not good enough to beat Brandon Moreno, then props. But, uh, I think that, He's going to come out here and put up a serious fight. And then there's other guys in the division. We were talking about the caps. We were talking about the Nicolaus. Um, Let me pull up the rankings one more time. Uh, I mean, do all these kids coming up now? I think this kid Sumadarji, not yet, not yet, but down the line, I think he's a very talented individual. So um, there's a lot of guys that you have to keep your, your eye out for. So Liam's computer died. Props to him for showing up, man. What what a cool kid. I really like him. So if any of y'all want to hop in here with me, more than welcome to. If not, I'm just going to go ahead and finish this off in terms of I still have a few more predictions I want to give here. So I already said Aljo only fights once at most 2022. We don't got to talk about that. Here's another one. I think Francis and Ganu actually works things out with the UFC and stays. Man, I mean, I've seen so many times when people are beefing with the UFC, and oftentimes it's not even about Francis versus Dana. Sometimes it's about the management. You know, the uh, certain managers get in the way, and they kind of put kind of like a not a tarnish, but kind of. They put a black a black cloud like in between like they're they're a middleman and a third party that can fuck things up from time to time other times they can negotiate great deals and this and that but sometimes they say some of the most insane shit i mean do you guys remember when holly Holm turned uh down the ronda round the ronda rousey rematch she couldn't wait for the ronda rousey rematch and instead she fights misha tate and uh gets choked out like you know because her manager told her to do that so some of these managers, man, they lead their fighters the wrong way in terms of the moves they should make. But I, I, at the same token, I personally feel like Francis Gano should be uh, regarded and promoted as if, I mean, this is the Mike Tyson of the UFC. I've never, when he touches people's chins, I mean, the, dudes get decapitated. I mean, like. If I was in the crowd for the Francis and Ganovers Overeem fight, I mean, it's, you know, when you go to the baseball game and you bring your glove with you because you want to catch that home run or that foul ball. Shit, I would have fucking brought my glove with me so I could catch Alistair Overeem's head when, when, uh, <laughs> when, uh, engano decapitated him. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much what I got to say about that. Y'all, feel free to ask me some questions here in the chat. I'm very happy to, uh, to answer those as well but yeah i do think that francis actually works things out with the ufc and stays i mean you can't let this guy go to bellator you can't let this guy go to pfl you can't let him do that bare knuckle boxing shit i mean not till he's ready to retire francis ha- has some more things to do in the ufc and god i just wish he won that first deep fight because if he did i really think things between him and dana would be on point but The way because like he would have been such a massive superstar had he won that first Stipe fight. And even though he's still a superstar now, even though he's still the undisputed heavyweight champion, uh, the Stipe fight and the Derrick Lewis fight kind of took a little bit away from him. And even though he's regained a lot of momentum, he's the champ. I'm just saying had those fights never happened and he became champ. Like, if he treated Stipe the first time, how he treated him the second time, we might be looking at a massive global global superstar. So I'm curious if the UFC do have any kind of resentment towards him not winning that first fight. That's uh, just speculation. Who knows? All right. Number 10. I think John Jones, knock on wood, uh, doesn't get into any legal trouble in 2022. I mean, you know, it's funny. When I tweeted that out, it was on December 31st. So my thoughts were like, well, fuck, what if he's getting drunk tonight on New Year's and get to DUI. Well, that didn't happen. We got past New Year's. So, and to take it a step further, John Jones is where we were talking about with, uh, Figgy and Henry Cejudo down at fight ready. Um, so yeah, um, I think, john jones right now he's around the right people he's out of albuquerque new mexico if y'all have ever been there you can understand why he gets in trouble down there i think he's around the right people and i think that he's not going to get into any legal trouble in 2022 my boy nasty nate at, said do you see aldo ever touching the title again um i'll say this i see him fighting for a title again it's just to it's a beat piotr yan i'll say this i think that aldo beats aljermaine sterling Confidently, I say that, and I think he beats most of these guys. Um, but I just, I just don't see him beating the great Piotr Yan. All right, so number eleven, I think that Marlon Chito Vera finally fights in a five-round main event and wins. I mean, one thing about Chito Vera that a lot of people have been talking about is how he's a slow starter. He often gives up the first round, and it's a similar quality to Piotr Jan. and it's not necessarily slow starter kind of feels like when you talk about Cowboy Cerrone and he gets his ass whooped in that first round, whereas like I don't think Cheeto and Piotr Yan get their asses whooped in the first round. I think they're, they're making reads out there. They're trying to see what you're working with. Um, they kind of view it as like almost like a fight to the death mentality. Whereas like, yeah, you know, throw everything you got at me, you know, in this first round, but I'm still be there in that second, third, fourth, fifth rounds. And sometimes in some of these fights with Cheeto, the fact that they were three round fights costed him like that Lineker fight. He clearly lost the first two rounds that third round. uh, Not only did he win that third round against Lineker, I mean, Lineker wanted no part of him. That's a five round fight. I think Cheeto Vera finishes Lineker in the fourth and fifth round. So, When you're starting to see these guys like Cheeto Vera finally get into five round fights, even a guy like Bilal Muhammad, he systematically breaks down his opponents. You give me a fourth and a fifth round with Bilal, and I think you're going to start to see finishes from him. It's like I was talking about with Usman. Usman used to be heavily criticized for always going to decision. Now he's a world champion. Now, what, he's knocked out, like, what, two of his last three opponents? You understand? He knocked out Colby Covington the first time. Knocked out Gilbert Burns. Knocked out Jorge Masvidal. So, like, Things change as fighters evolve and as they start to get to those five round fights. And I think that Cheeto Vera and Bilal Muhammad are two guys that are going to absolutely strive in five round fights. All right. So here's what we're about to do. Here's my last bold prediction that I'm about to mention. And after that, um, I want to answer y'all's questions. So y'all do me a favor and start s- submitting those questions right now. Hold on a second. My bro, my boy uh, Liam just messaged me. Um, okay, so y'all start submitting your questions right now, and then once I'm done reading this number twelve, I will uh, answer those questions y'all got. Um, and then one thing I wanted to say, as well, is um, so my boy Liam stepped up on like short notice. This was originally uh going to be me and Clint from the Die Hard MMA podcast and you know Clint had a, a a family situation arise and listen family first always so you know Clint you know you know my heart's out to you i mean it, 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 i don't i don't think it's too serious what what's happening so i don't think y'all need to go crazy or anything but still family first and you know we'll have we'll reschedule for sure and i look forward to it and you know because i do have a no flake policy but i don't i just don't consider that a flake i i mean i know Clint that he's a genuine ass dude and family first always so whereas like if it was (laughs) if like you know one time i was about to do some dude show and it's like the show was supposed to be at four o'clock right i show up at 359 and i get a text and this motherfucker tells me something came up i'm like i'm like you couldn't have fucking told me that earlier like on your own show i'm doing you a favor anyways now, that's a separate story for, for a different time. But shout-out to Clint. Shout-out to Liam. I appreciate y'all. Uh, keep, piling in, uh, keep piling in those questions. And now uh, let me give you number 12. So number 12, Tony Ferguson, Rafael Dos Anos, Dan Hooker, Connor McGregor, Michael Chandler, and Carlos Diego Ferreira will all be ushered out of the UFC lightweight rankings by the next generation of lightweights like Rafael Fiziv, Arman Sarukian, Matush Gamra, Joel Alvarez, and Damir Ismagulov. Like, do you guys remember how a couple of years back, you know, there were guys like Ally Akinta holding up a top 15 spot for like literally no reason. He didn't beat a single fucking person in the top 15. And, fought like once every like million years like and that dude was in the top 15 so a lot of these guys that shouldn't be in the top 15 are still in the top 15 right now but that's about to slowly change um so when i'm looking at these rankings dubronx is the champ i think islam makachev uh is about to move up to a number one contender depending if he can get past the very tough Benil dariush um, if Gregor Gillespie can, can find some consistency, I think he's there. Raphael Faziv, one of the scariest strikers in the division. And even his last opponent, Brad Riddell, I think that guy's got a bright fucking future too. So just like we had to get rid of, you know, ally Quinta and, you know, Anthony Pettis back in the day and Cerrone, n- not while they were in their primes, but like once, you know, they were like three years removed from their primes and they were still in the top fifteen. You know, that's how I feel about Tony Ferguson. That's how I feel about Rafael dosanos. I I admire them tremendously. It's just I just don't currently view them as top 15 guys anymore. Michael Chandler, like, you know, he's had a long ass career prior to coming to the UFC. Is I know he he's a rookie in the UFC in 2021, but the dude ain't no rookie at fighting. This dude was out here beating Eddie Alvarez and Benson Henderson outside the UFC. So but now I'm starting to think that. I mean, like, 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 keep it hundred with me. Who y'all got between Gamara and Chandler? Who y'all, who y'all got between Sarukian and Chandler? Who y'all got between fucking Brad Riddell and Tony Ferguson? Like, I'm, I'm just trying to say, Conor McGregor. I mean, biggest star in the sport, changed the sport forever. But like, y'all see him coming out here and beating anybody in the top fifteen? How fucking funny and not funny at the same time would it be if, uh, if he knocked out Charles and became the champion? You know what's funny about that? Okay, so let's say Charles and Conor get into a fight um, in the octagon for the belt. So you could probably take a futures bet right now on Conor McGregor becoming the world champion at like, I don't know what the odds are, plus 800, plus 1,000, plus 1,800. Just bet on that. And if he gets the title shot, just hedge it with Oliveira, guarantee yourself some money. Because uh, imagine like right now, like if you bet Conor right now, but you just have to have certainty that he's going to fight for the belt. Um, but if you do that and then you just bet the Oliveira money line, guarantee yourself some money. So, yeah, that is my final bold prediction. Once again, just to repeat myself, the Tony Ferguson's, the RDA's, the Dan Hooker's, the Conor McGregor's, the Michael Chandler's, the Carlos Diego Ferreros will all be ushered out of the of the UFC lightweight rankings by the next generation of fighters like Faziv, Sarukian, Gamra, Alvarez, Ismagulov, etc., et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, That's what I got to say. I truly, truly appreciate y'all being here with me. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. Like, comment, retweet, share. Do all that for me. Now let's get down to this fan Q&A. And I appreciate y'all being here with me for almost, almost two hours. And I appreciate Liam stepping up on short notice. And shout out to my boy Clint. Hope all is well with you. All right. So I'm scrolling up to the top of the chat. And let's see what kind of questions y'all got. And this is the first podcast of 2022. So it's uh, it's fucking awesome to be here back with y'all. I plan to be doing a lot more, um, you know, releasing a lot more shows that aren't just, uh, you know, me and Shaq breaking down every every card, which I love doing. And we're going to continue to do that. Make no mistake about it. All I'm saying is there's going to be additional shows like the one we're doing right now and some other fun things that we can think of. And I honestly want to, interview people from all walks of life on this show too so we got a lot of plans for half the battle this is gonna be a big year so all right let's get down to these questions let's see what y'all have Matt says Valentina double champ uh I mean I I understand why why you're asking that but I will predict no um Big J says Marina Rodriguez 115 champ ended the year um I'd be more confident if she wasn't fighting Yan Nan. I think that's going to be a serious fight. Like uh, Yan Nan versus Marina Rodriguez. I mean, whoever wins that could be fighting for a title. That is such a serious showdown between two of my absolute favorite prospects at 115 pounds. And they're both serious strikers. And who's better? Let's find out. Let's find out. So I'm very excited about that. All right. Let's see what y'all have. What else y'all got for me? Sorry, I'm having a hard time pronouncing your name, but he says he'd like to see McKinney versus Patty. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm down to see that. But he's asking, is Patty fighting Jared Gordon next? Nothing signed. They're they're just you know bantering a little bit and seeing, testing the water, seeing what happened, what's happening. Uh, Chance says Blanchfield not finishing Sarah Alpar was criminal in terms of like the ref not stepping in after that ass whooping, or or in terms of like why didn't she get her out of there? I mean, listen, some people are tough to finish. But it's, there's no debate that there was like a fucking 30 25 pillar to post ass whooping. So I mean you know you can't you can't take anything away from Blanchfield for that. UFC debut ran through her opponent easily. Like yeah, her, her opponent can take a whooping. Some people can take an ass whooping. It is what it is. This is the fight game, man. He also said, not chance, but um this uh, the other dude with the name I couldn't pronounce. I probably can't pronounce it once I hear it, but he said Cheeto going to decline this year. Really? See, I I, I uh, vehemently disagree with that. I think he's actually about to reach his prime and be a threat um, here down the line, especially now that Cheeto Vera is approaching the point in his career where he's going to have those five round fights, which has been eluding him. And that's what I've wanted him to have for so goddamn long because of the whole quote-unquote slow starting slash making reads early on in fights and then turning up late. So I uh, respectfully disagree with that. All right, let's see. What else y'all got here? Um, Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Jimmy, what's up, my boy Jimmy? He says, do Bronx still the champ this time next year? He says yes. That's tough. That's tough because you got the Islam Makachevs. You got the Benil Dariushas. I think there's a chance for sure, but that's one that I'm not um, quite ready to. Like, Like I am ready to say Peter Yan is the champ this time next year. Dubrox, amazing fighter, but this is La fight. I, I just kind of got to see how it goes down. I really do. Um, all right, let's see. El Fasanumba1 said, shit. Uh, thoughts on our guy, Fernie Garcia from El Paso, Dallas train. uh, Okay. Guy, uh, uh, Fernie Garcia from Fortis MMA. I have no idea who that is, man, but I'm going to look him up right now. Fernie Garcia. And let's see. I mean, what are we, what are we dealing with here? Hold on. Oh shit. Hold on one second. One second. I got two computers in front of me and I was typing on the wrong one and looking at the wrong fucking monitor okay all right fernie garcia kid is 10 and 1 okay he's in the bantamweight division he's got pretty good size for the division um oh shit he oh this guy yeah he 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 had a first round knockout on on contender series so and his only loss is a split decision so i didn't watch it so who knows maybe it was controversial maybe for all you know this guy should be undefeated but yeah i appreciate you bringing him up and we will definitely uh keep our eyes out and see if this kid's the real deal or not so you know thanks for bringing him up man i appreciate that um all right let's see what else y'all got for me Uh, my boy liam said jones not getting in trouble is the boldest uh, prediction of 2022 yeah you had some good ones too man my boy Nate said, who wins the trifecta, Holloway or Volk? It's tough because it's like it's one of those fights where it's like Volk's already beating beating him twice. And it's like here's where you start that conversation about what happens if these guys fight 10 times. How many times does Volk win? How many times does Max win? Um, so uh, the more they fight, the more the chances of Max winning one of those increases. But I got to go with Volk, man. The fainting game is too much. His, if, listen, if there's any other fighters or aspiring fighters or just people that fancy studying the game, really look into Volk's faint game. I mean, his faint game shuts people down in a way. I'm like, when he went to Rio and fought Jose Aldo and 30 27 him, and Jose wasn't even, like, couldn't even get a read or a beat on volk whatsoever and like that's uncharacteristic Jose aldo the king of rio in rio like volk is something special but so is max so yeah i I just one thing i will say though max ain't about to come out here and fucking you know land 700 strikes on volk like he did on cater that that much i can assure you so it's gonna be a closely contested fight for the most part and i I'm wondering if like is Max ever gonna get knocked out anytime soon? I mean he takes so many fucking shots at what at what point is his chin gonna go, but at the same time, Hawaiians are known for having these in like you can hit this, these guys with baseball bats and they ain't gonna get knocked out. Like do you remember all those beatings BJ Penn took and was still there? It's it's just something different. I don't I'm not a doctor, so I don't know I don't I don't know this the bone structure, the DNA. Like I, I don't I don't have an explanation. All I know is Hawaiians have a reputation for having insane durability. So, but I'm wondering when's he finally going to get knocked down? I mean, you've seen the amount of significant strikes. If you go to UFC stats right now and you count up all the significant strikes that Max Holloway's eaten throughout his career for any other fighter it'd be like, Oh shit, that first KO loss is coming soon. Max is a little different, but at the same time, he's still human. So will it happen? Will it not happen? I don't know, but my, my lean is Volk for sure. And I cashed on Volk both times. So I guess I, I definitely got a, pick him there. All right, let's see what else. Andy says, is Gregor Gillespie versus Tony Ferguson the fight to make? I mean, it's the fight to make if you want to guarantee Gregor Gillespie a win, because, I mean, he's going to easily beat him. It's just, can we do, like, a Tony Ferguson versus Mike Chandler? Can we do, you know, a Tony Ferguson versus Nate Diaz, a Tony Ferguson versus Dustin Poirier? Um, Yeah, I know Dustin would crush him, but I'm just saying, like, you know, guys that are more established, guys that have paid their dues more and had longer tenures in the UFC. Because, I mean, look, you can honestly just go ahead and put Tony Ferguson in there with Rafael Fiziev, Armin Saruki, Gamra, Joel Alvarez, and just usher him out the top 15. Super easy if you want. But if you want to get something out of him, I'd say put him in there with guys who have similar tenures as him and are just as well-respected and known as him. And let him have some fun legends fights, man. Nate says... Islam gets past Benil, who beats him once he wins the belt. So Nate is predicting that not only Nate, uh, Nate is predicting Nate is predicting that not only Islam beats Benil, but then he goes and beats Charles too. So the question is, who beats Islam if he hypothetically becomes the world champion? It's hmm. a good question. Um. You know, I didn't really want to bring up Gregor Gillespie, but the reason, because I don't think Gregor Gillespie is a future champ, the only reason I'm bringing up is because, you know, just stylistically speaking, I mean, I would say he's got the wrestling credentials to uh, make it interesting. So that's actually, I actually like that. And then Gamrot, uh, that's that, that could be interesting too. So yeah, there's a lot of, th- there's so many options, dude. We, we just got to see what happens. Tony versus Connor. Um, Mm, probably connor unless you know look connor's gonna whoop his ass early going no questions asked but get some knockdowns fuck him up but if tony can extend it i'll say this: if, if tony wraps his arms around connor's neck connor connor ain't gonna get out of that but tony might actually be washed up to a point where you're gonna finally see him start to you know get finished in these fights and you're gonna finally start to see him go down and these things don't get better. These things get worse, especially when you take the kind of damage he does. And last but not least, Ace of Spain with the big question. Who wins? Teporia, Ilya Taporia, or Mozar Evloyev? What a, what a great question. I mean, normally, I'd give you my whole... Oh, well, you got to wait till uh, my breakdown to to hear that. But let let me just talk about that fight a little bit. So I bet on Taporia's first two UFC fights, dog odds against Zalal, who was a hyped-ass prospect at the time. And then it was only minus 200 for like a one-minute knockout against Damon Jackson. I took him there too. But But when you see a guy like Evloyev at dog odds against almost anybody in the division <laughs> i mean i think it might be worth a stab and it's not it wouldn't be a fade on taporia more of just a bet on evloyev at dog odds um i think Evloev is something special reason being obviously you know you, you know he's a takedown machine you know his hands ain't half bad but like what about the kind of heart this guy has you remember that deep ass choke grundy had him in that first round i mean the way that Evloyev created the little bit the tiniest bit of space, pushed off those hips and got out of it and then went back to dominate the fight. Like those are the kind of things you like to see when you're trying to scout a future world champion. Everybody's good when you know they're the when they're the hammer, but how do you do as the nail? Evloev can be the nail, and that's my question here with Taporia. Because that third round against Zala, he was gassing out really fucking badly. And granted gassing out from whooping Zalal's ass, so you can't take anything away from him. That, that That's for sure. It, it's just more so that he's he doesn't have the same amount of cage time as a guy like Evloyev because all these guys are getting out there in the first round, and that's not his fault. Hey, props to you for finishing these guys in the first round. I just don't see you finishing a guy like Evloyev in the first round, and if you do, it, <laughs> if he does, then holy fucking shit, right? Um, Okay. Greg says, "Is Bryce Mitchell the best rapper in the UFC? He's fucking ten times better than Woodley. I'll tell you that much." Um, uh, paso number one, see, Now I'm saying your name right. Just took me a couple tries. Best fight camp at the moment. Um, all I know is it's different for everybody, right? Like, um, if I had to send down some of my guys to certain places, I'd I'd send them I'd send them to all different places. Like, I would send Robert Hale and nathan williams to um should i had a specific gym what was the gym i wanted to send y'all to i think i would send them to like fortis mma i think the culture there they'd get along with the people there and the head coach could give them the push that they really need and then i'd send jared gooden to fight ready um just so he can kind of but but jared gooden could also benefit from having a coach like safe sayud so honestly I'd send Jared Gooden, Robert Hale, and Nathan Williams to uh, Fortis MMA, but fight ready, NeuroForce One's also another great option. It's just that some of these guys, they don't do as well like with these big fucking camps or like ATT where there's like 30 pro fighters, so there's not that much specialized attention. Whereas I hear with um Fortis, it's a small knit group and or tight knit group, excuse me. And their their head coach Safe Sayud, is on top of these guys, not not on top of them in terms of like grappling, but on, on like staying on top of them, like calling them in the morning, you know, asking them if they ate this specific you know part of their diet, asking them if they you know skip their workout, whatever. Just they he, he stays on top of them like a general, and it's very structured over there. So, Fortis MMA and the training partners that these guys would have there, that I think that's the place I'd recommend for them but there's always Neuroforce 1 and Fight Ready. I mean, you just cannot fucking sleep on them. So, Fortis or Fight Ready are the two I'd send my guys to, but it's different for everybody. Like Cody Durn, I would not send to Fight Ready or Neuro for or or uh, Fortis. I think he does better at ATT. But but Hale Williams, Gooden Fortis MMA, I think is is the right move. Um okay, let's see um se says Evloev is the one with cardio issues in the third i mean i guess i mean he whooped that last dude's ass so fucking mad that there was only no like it's like when you're going on the highway 100 miles per hour like you think that your gas tank is just going to suddenly increase of course it's going to decrease i mean but the dude pushed through it whereas and and there was a little bit of a difference in, in the gassing between him and um and Taporia. And has only been in that third round one time. So I need to see a little bit more. Um, I just expect that to be an amazing fight. All right. Chris says, who should Jared Gooden fight next? Listen, Jared's a very talented guy. It's just the issue with Jared is that like, dude, you're only a couple fights into your UFC and you're in a co-main event with Randy Brown already. Like, I get, I get it. Dream big, aspire big, and maybe one day after you've had, you know, after you've paid your dues in the UFC and had 10 fights under your belt then you go have a co-main event with randy brown but for like your third fourth fight like come on dude so i want to see jared you know go fight like Worley Alves, go fight munir lezez sasha palatnikov brian Barbarena, like like fuck giving him these russians and randy brown who he's not ranked in the top 15 but between you and me he is a top 15 guy like just like give him a fair fight you know what i'm saying give him court mcgee you, you see what i'm saying like let, if Michelle Prezarish was still on the roster, I'd like that too. So, Because I think Jared can win some fights. It's just he's been taking the wrong fights. That's the only issue. But he's got the skills, He's and, and, and he's got the will. He's got the heart of a fighter. You saw that front kick uh, Randy Brown hit him with? Did you see Jared try to quit at all when that happened? Like That's the sign of a real fighter. So Jared's got the heart. He's just got to make the right decisions and take the right fights. Greg says, who wins, Kutalaba or Span?" I'd say Span is more skilled but Kutalaba is more of a madman and I don't like what I've been seeing from Span lately so give me Kutalaba to come out there and uh bully him a little bit All right hold on last thing this guy said I called Hamzat big Khabib the first time I saw him do you see him being as dominant as a champ as Habib was um possibly but it's too early to say that i mean first he's got to be the top five guy and dependent on how he treats that top five guy he's gotta he's gotta win that fight depending on how he treats him i'll have more of a gauge of what his ceiling truly is i mean i think he's gonna fight for a belt for sure um it's just based on these performances right we just gotta see how dominant are the performances as the level of competition starts to increase if he can blow these guys out the water like he's been doing to the guys he's fighting now to the top 5 guys just, hey <laughs> then he might fucking be a future world champion for a long long ass time. And the last question uh will Michelle, will Michelle Pereira make it to the rankings? Yeah, at some point I don't see why not. I mean, the dude's skilled. I actually think um I personally think uh Muslim salikov is going to beat him, but so what? Uh, again, w- and now it's back to like what we were talking about with these other weight classes like some of these guys are going to be ushered out and they're going to make the room for these you know newer guys to come into the rankings like I don't see Wonderboy Thompson lasting in the rankings that much longer I don't see Neil Magny lasting in the rankings that much longer like so I don't see Michael Kiesa lasting in the rankings that much longer. So absolutely. I see a guy like Michelle Pereira win, lose or draw against Muslim Salikov uh, eventually find his way to the top 15. So yeah, I would say so. All right, y'all. Well, I think that's it for me. So I truly appreciate you guys being here with me. Um, like this video, share this video, comment, subscribe, hook me up with those retweets. I really appreciate it. Let people know that half the battle is back. And if you genuinely enjoyed the show, You know, make a tweet and and let people know how much you enjoyed it, man. Like we got to get the word out there because when COVID happened for me, I took two months off and I think people forgot about the show. So y'all got to let them know that we're back here. And uh, if you enjoy it, you know, uh, reviews go a long way. So I truly appreciate you guys. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Uh, Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. I'll be back next week with Shaq to break down the Giga Chikadze versus Cater card next week. And then also my sponsor, PrizePix. Go to prizepix.com or download the PrizePix app. Use the code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100 to join the, the easiest and simplest way to play daily fantasy sports. I mean, guys, like you can make money on sports you have no fucking clue about. That's how fucking badass... Price picks is and we've been cashing out. Trust me on that. I mean, I turned a hundred into a thousand pretty fucking fast on there. So I recommend y'all go out there and uh, give them a try. Thank you very much to Liam for stepping up on short notice. I truly appreciate that, my man. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And then also shout out to Clint, man. Hope everything works out with you. So again, the fans, the supporters, thank you guys so very very much. Truly look forward to speaking with y'all again very soon. And until the next time y'all know what time it is, let's cash these bets.